Oh, this episode of Cinema Swirl was brought to you with the support of our backers over at patreon.com forward slash cinemaswirl. $5 OTP backers will get instant access to every episode of Cinema Swill, a monthly exclusive bonus show where Kevin and I watch famously bad movies. Our most recent episode, episode 26, features Kevin and I watching Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. So if you want to continue on board the Terminator train with us, then patreon.com forward slash cinemaswirl is the way to go. At that $5 level, you'll get instant access to 26 episodes and there's a new one coming every month. You can head on over to find out more. All right. Let's get swirling. Cinema Swirl! Get these feckin' rose petals off the floor. It's episode number <laughs> 74. And, ooh, what's that? Aortas are in the air because it's only a bloomin' Valentine's Day Heart Love Special Edition. Me, your old pal, Cowheart Kevin Mann, romping through all of Hollywood, the flower shop that is, with my OTP, Sam Chaplin, smelling all the flowers he hasn't smelt before, checking that he's taking his allergy medication. Sam, how are you doing today on this most auspicious of episodes? I'm feeling very well. I'm your OTP, your orchids, your tulips, and your petunias. I'm not 100% sure that is a flower. But I'm <laughs> excited to be here on Cinema Swirl. Roughly around Valentine's time, it's that month, it's that loved up month. We're feeling mushy, we're feeling romantic, right? <laughs> and for me, my mother's birthday, this is true, mm. my mother's birthday is on Valentine's Day, thus robbing-ish of any romance, oh. really. Because it's just, I'm not saying I don't love my mum, I do, but those are two things that are competing for, for yeah. attention on that day, aren't they, you know? So it's... The, no, I'm not saying I don't love my mum, all right? I'm, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on a second, hang on a second. Oh, 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 oh. Roll it back, roll it back, roll it back. <laughs> we all love our mums here, all right? That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Just so you're aware, this yeah. episode is the Valentine's Day special, not Kevin's mam's birthday special. That's next year's something. <laughs> <laughs> Where we will review one of the many DVDs I bought her as a teenager that she did not want. Yes. <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> so this kind of ended up falling into place as a valentines special, by the way. I think we were, we were planning to do this anyway. I filmed a jour today, we were planning to do anyway. But it's just happened to fall around Valentine's Day and it kind of fits, right? Mm -hmm. It does. It, it's worked out quite well. And for those of you who are listening to this going... <laughs> Well, it's all right. We'll get through it together. If you want, you can watch the movie if you've not seen it. It can mm -hmm. be like Sam, you know, or you could rest in the laws that there'll probably be another movie with a muscly topless man soon instead, and that'll be all right. Yep. Oh, we're doing Bridget Jones's diary, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure you've Wait, seen Wait, what? <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh. 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 A movie with a woman in it. We've been doing a lot of kind of bombastic, action-y, tough uh, films, and it's a nice... <laughs> 
nice change, isn't it? Right, it I is. imagine. I enjoy any time we head outside of our comfort zone yeah. into another comfort zone because rom-coms, <laughs> nice and bubbly and fluffy, no, not like that comfort zone. Get out of here, David Lynch. You're not welcome on this podcast anymore. So no. here we are with a nice rom-com, Sam. We had a little bit of experience of these on the swirl. Well, rom-com is short for romantic comfort zone, so I think we're all right there. No, it's actually romedy comantic is what it stands for. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. We have done some rom-coms before. What rom-coms have we done before? Pretty Woman Pretty has woman, previously woman. walking down that street. Yes. And it is technically a rom-com. Big! We did do big. We did Which big? is, not all roms, of course, usually involve a man trapped in the body of a child, but, you know, that was leading into the com... That's where the com comes in! Yeah, yeah exactly. It's romantic complicated, isn't that what it was? <laughs> we've touched on this area before, but not quite as in-depth as we've touched on Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example, you know. It, am I right in saying as well, this is uh, one of the few movies that could be argued quintessentially. We are watching a bit of Best of British We're today. We're a bit of Best of British, as well as a Valentine's Day special, right? This is a Best of British special, mate. Best of bloody British. Sorry, Guy Ritchie, you don't represent all of the UK. He, That's the 52% over there. We're looking at the 48% today, and that's why we're in Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> Ah, it's good to be here in Bloody Blighty watching Best of British Brumcom. Always good to be in this perfectly normal country with you looking at its perfectly normal movies. Yeah. Bridget Jones's Diary, though, mm. what, if anything, do you know about this movie, Sam? So I feel like this is one that I've absorbed quite a bit via cultural osmosis. So I'm going to go through what I know about it. Okay, here we go. Based on a book. Okay. Based on a book. Presumably a diary. It's got Renée Zellweger in it, who... Oh, what else do I know her from? She went out with Jack White from the White Stripes for a bit. I love that you know stuff yeah. like that. Wait, she went out with Jack White for the yeah. White Stripes? Yeah, yeah. Wow. They were in a film together. Do I know her from other stuff? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Is she what we refer to here in Cinema Story? Is she a known quantity? She's a known quantity. She's a known quantity to you. Was she on the headlines? Where was she all the time? Yes, Renee yes, 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 yes. Early aughts. Big deal. She was in Shark Tale. She was in Shark Tale and we yeah, did Shark Tale. There we, we go. Did. Yeah, 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 we did. And that's good that we've linked our swill and swirl here now. That's uh, very... Patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. <laughs> Not a regrettable... I hate when we have to plug a naff movie. Like, a real, like uh, you know, because you'd be like, whoa, troll cheese. And I was like, oh, really? And they're like, eh, Shark Tale. I'm like, oh, uh. You know, I, it is good. No, it would be no. a lot of fun. It is we good, did. though, seriously. Yeah. All right, seeing as she's a known quantity, yes. it seems as well, you know, her possibly just from newspaper headlines. And Jack White and Shark Tale. And Jack White and Shark Tale. Yeah. Fill in the headline for me. Renee Zellweger in blank shock. Bridget Jones' diary success shock. Oh, it was a, very a big, good. No, but I don't know with that headline. Well, okay, so... What I know about this film as well, a thing that I picked up and it's become a thing around this film, like big pants. Big pants. Big comfy knickers, you know, like <laughs> c comfy pants. Uh-huh. Right? That's part of it, I think. And that the whole movie then? Most or? of it. I think it's just Renee Zellweger talking about pants, shopping okay. for pants, buying pants. Yeah. Do you know when the movie came out? Late 90, early 2000s? You are correct, sir. You are. It's around then. Just before the Iraq War, so peak <laughs> players Britain, pretty much. Right. 
when it was all songs in the street, it was nearly complete. It, it was nearly so sweet. It's when they were still going, things can only get better. Before they did the minor key version, yeah. which was all sad and distorted. Things you know? have actually got worse. I know that Hugh Grant is in this. Is this our first Hugh Grant joint? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What are your thoughts on the Houston? Well, I, I used to try and do a little sort of Hugh Grant impression that was basically just me saying the following phrase. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, I won't, do, I won't even do it in the voice, but it was just the phrase, terribly sorry, bibbly bobbly, was how I'd get into the... <laughs> you have just given the entire audience the fucking bluest podcast orbs Good lord, Sam. By not doing the thing. You set up your impression. Yeah. You tell us what it's going to be, and then you expressly tell us you're going to do the impression sans voice, which is <laughs> a lot of the part of the impression, some would argue. I've ready, steady cooked it. I've given you the ingredients. You can go and do it yourself. Make something out of that. No, just the kind of... Uh, oh, uh... Terribly sorry, I couldn't possibly that kind of you know that British apologetic hey, thing. I bet that works a lot better on the Americans, does it? <laughs> yeah, because it's all the same accent, really. As long as you just kind of go, oh, uh, uh, oh, I couldn't possibly terribly sorry, that kind of thing that Hugh Grant. Just so you all know as well, I did the entire last episode, Terminator, in mm. my Al Pacino impression. I just didn't do the voice element of that impression with all, you know, but the hand gestures were very much there. Yeah. I also know... Who else we got in there? Do you know anyone else? Colin Firth. Aha! Now that's a name familiar to your ear, surely. Yeah, yeah, Know of him. Seen him in stuff. He was in the King's Speech, which I haven't seen, but I still know about. Am I right to say that? I don't know why. Sometimes I feel this about certain actors, mm. but if you were to ask your household, you know, yes. you'd probably say, in this house we like Colin Firth. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think he's well regarded. Well regarded? Yeah. yeah. Say with Grant. Have you seen him in any movies? I must have done. I must have done. I can't recall any of them off the top of my head. Same with Hugh Grant, although he was in Paddington 2. Hugh Grant. He was. Very good yes. in that. He's been in some dramas. There was that The Unbecoming or whatever, The Unknown, Benowing. It's, there was some some on recently that had the Hugh Grant in The Unknown HBO series, I believe it was called. <laughs> he was in one of those ones. And you know what? Just don't bother tweeting, because we'll, we know. I'll it's all right. <laughs> and also, if you're thinking of tweeting it, oh, someone just beat you to the punch. Damn. What? I thought it was the first... No, you're not. You're not. I think Hugh Grant's one of those ones who, like, has a go at Piers Morgan publicly. <laughs> He's one of those guys, and that uh, I've got a lot of respect for that. Yeah? Yeah. It really s swings for him. Not physically. He's like a top bloke like Clarkson. He'll go for him, like, you know? But Hugh Grant will... Uh, he'll battle with his words, which are bibbly-bobbly, terribly sorry, couldn't possibly. What's his shtick? Like, what's Hugh Grant's shtick? Hugh Grant's shtick. Polite, British, handsome... You know, self-conscious, apologetic, British, awkward, clumsy, British, best of British. He's quite, I'm going to say this now, low-key one of the most like turnaround beloved figures in Hollywood in recent mm. years. Because yeah. there was a point, I'd say 10 or 15 years ago, where like his name was like, eh! people did not like Hugh Grant for whatever reason. Well, he was a figure of controversy for a bit, wasn't he? He got in some trouble. He got targeted by the papers mm. and his personal life came under scrutiny and whatnot. Yes. But I think it's one of the things as well where because he did a lot of those roles where mm. you have effectively surmised what he did in those roles. And I think anytime an actor comes out and says, yeah, I was just doing the same ding dong over and over again yeah and then they do something remotely different like he's had a really good career in 
renaissance for a man who was probably told in his 20s, your career won't last much longer because you're young and that's what, he's the young, cute, British, polite man. Old, impolite British man, just as well. Yeah, yeah. He's been able to <laughs> spread his wings a bit and try all sorts of different stuff in his career renaissance. And that's why it's important for you, Sam, as per our agreement, that each episode you get a degree more rude as we go on in right, Cinema yeah, Swirl. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how time works. I've been doing that anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Don't get rude about it. Jesus Christ, this guy. Am I right? Fucking hell. So, what's going to happen? We got our pieces in play here. We got Huge Grant dominating yep. the board. We got Renee Zellweger, the wickedly talented Colin Wonder Firth. That. Yeah. What is going to happen in this movie vis-a-vis the diary? Well, I'm guessing it's a sort of love triangle, right? I'm guessing these two men from the poster. I've seen the poster image, and you've got Renee Zellweger in the middle. You got you grant your firth and i imagine there's some kind of complicated feelings triangle around those gentlemen and, and renee and bridget bridget jones i like that polyamorous people have reclaimed the word triad because mm. you say a love triad it sounds like immediately less complicated than a love triangle even though if you present to me the words on their own yeah. you say triangle i go okay well i know lots of rules about them from geometry yeah and then you say triad i go that's a gang i'm, I'm scared I, that's complex i don't understand how it works put the word love in front of it it becomes a lot less complicated and a lot more complicated respectively I think you could do that with a lot of things, though, if you just put love in front of it. Uh, love tank. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I was trying to think of something scary. <laughs> but love, love tank sounds gross. I was going to say love honey, but I'm like, forget it. They're never sponsoring oh, us at this point, so whatever. Yeah. Oh, you followed us? Great. Where's the money coming in? Where are the free bits and bobs? You know I want to follow this to the end of the rainbow, find my pot of gold. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> What's a scary thing? Love spiddly. No, 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 don't love spiddly. Don't want spiddly. Love pork pie jelly. No. <laughs> That's, that just sounds like a question. Love pork pie jelly? Why not have loads of it? <laughs> yeah, these feel like opening salvos of ads I'm about to disagree with strongly. Love pork pie jelly. Love spiders. Love the sound of a brush on wet concrete. No, uh, no, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but then love brush uh, could be a thing. That, these all sound rude now these all sound it rude is. love is interesting yeah a word that can become unwittingly very rude depending on what company it keeps yeah i don't know if i've accidentally made it rude by just saying it in my voice and it in- instantly sounds a bit mucky and i i'm not i'm not outwardly mucky you know no, but I, grum- I don't know if my, vo- my voice my temperament has that effect on words love tank uh- it's, it's, Love it's, brush. You're going to have the Irish and the English listen to this going, yeah, no, that sounds creepy. But then yeah. you have the Americans going, wow, Hugh Grant's on the podcast. <laughs> Cut me off with a slice of that, of that cowboy pie, you know? <laughs> I have somewhat of a history with this movie, although yeah. it's a much more recent history. Right. I watched this movie a couple of years back because it was one that Joe loved very much when she was a teenager mm. and she said that it was good, light, rom-com fun and we put it on and we had a nice effervescent time. Well, that's what you Such want, Such was it? its nice lightness and I, I enjoy it very much. I've been a late bloomer to rom-coms because mm. I was a smelly boy in the 90s and the 90s. Ooh, like fucking rom-coms. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as well, I was chatting with this about Joe earlier because I was as if I hung around exclusively in smelly boy company. Yeah. I hung around with some women as well and they all smelled terrible. <laughs> 
But like I in my friendship group in university, yeah. I'm talking like I was in uni like 2006 to 10ish thereabouts that time. Okay. And I don't know if you recall it as well, but amongst my female friends, there was a very and I mean very very strong rejection of like mainstream romance and nice what girls are meant to like culture yeah. from the previous five years because in 06 we hated 03 even though now you'd be pressed to tell us two years apart in a lineup mm, definitely there was that rejection of that kind of schmaltz and a kind of substitution of other more interesting maybe avant-garde or weirder stuff. I think it was like just an out-and-out rejection of wholesome stuff. Yeah. It was one thing going to like an all-boys boarding school and everyone hating Bridget Jones or everyone like shitting all over it because it was like the romantic thing that was in the cinemas. Yeah. But I was somewhat surprised when like almost everyone I came across in my social circle in university, irrespective of gender, hated this movie without having seen it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, it was definitely like a cultural phenomenon. It This was a successful film. I think this people might be like why is this on this world like it was big this was big it dominated the bus ad space for decades this is a big money movie i was working in a cinema when the third sequel came out and it that was similarly big money people fucking coming to see that i did notice that it was largely a sort of older contingent going to see it perhaps really if if there were younger people they were seeing it with their mums usually and it was like a shared experience there that's it i think it was like something that has by virtue of making lots of sequels has become Mm. a lot more maybe mainstream and whatnot in the more recent years as a result i don't know if we'll be doing any of the sequels because i watched the sequels as well and Joe gave me the very much needed warning of these get a bit daft right okay yeah, yeah. at the start of proceedings but I don't want to spoil too much about the movie okay I know there's big pants come in I'm imagining there's some sort of triangle I don't know if you'll like it or not oh okay because it's quite a, I don't say typical but mm. it, typical for what Hollywood thought was typical in those days for yeah. a role I think you're going to get a big kick out of it in terms of seeing like main fucking timeline Britain as you remembered it like if they advertised <laughs> if they advertised this Britain to you on a bus you'd vote for fucking whatever like right, okay, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd be renewed yeah. trident if you thought you'd get back to this Britain like <laughs> so I think you like it there yeah. but I'm still not sure at this point where you're at with straight up rom movies. I know you like your rom com. I like com, but where are you with the rom? I, I, I'm not even sure where I am with the rom. You know, where am I with the rom? Where's the rom with me? Yeah, I don't know. I need to see some more rom coms because I did that smelly boy thing of rejecting them. And I still haven't fully... I've come away from that mentality, but that doesn't mean I've seen loads of rom-coms. I mean, I'm similar. I'm, I've been slow to get onto the rom-com train, mm. you know? Yeah. Although the fact that I saw Legally Blonde when I was a teenager gives me extra fucking bonus points. Yes, that's right. I was a modern man back then as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I'm in rom-com train station yet. I, you know, I, I'm aware of the train. I've seen the timetable, you know, and sometimes I've perused maps of the area, but I've not boarded... And I certainly haven't got a rail card. Well, you've not got a rail card, but you've got a mail bag. (laughs) 
Welcome to the mailbag. Thank you so much for your questions in to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. I would like to give a quick thank you and a shout out to Isabel, who sent a very detailed email about potential Godzilla films for both Ooh. Swirl and Swirl. You want a real fun fact about me? I have recorded a Godzilla podcast, the first episode of it, so many times now, I'm not sure if I've done it twice or three times. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your Godzilla love is out there, and Isabel sent something in with examples of films we could look at to do with with Godzilla, and Mm. just a really lovely email generally. That's something we might look into, but we don't have time to get into here. What we do have time to get into here, Kevin... I really appreciate you sticking up for the smelly boy contingent again, where you're like, you know, we're ready to do a rom-com, and we talk all about it, and then you're like, by the way, we got a letter about Godzilla! (laughs) Wow! Uh, Sam, who would be your ideal casting in a live-action Street Sharks movie? Uh, could Vin Diesel play and voice all the parts? My point was, Kevin, it was such a it was a long, detailed email. And what we need here on Cinema Swell sometimes is we need kind of quick, fast, bite-sized to the point kind of questions here. We're kind of, you know, buzz around situation going on on Cinema Swell. That's why this time I uh I took to Twitter Whoa, to try and get some seat questions. Yeah. I know, I know you know you're not big on the socials, right? I know you're a big fan of cinemaswell at gmail.com. But well, I thought I'd do is I'd put out the call on Twitter this time and see what we got from Twitter. Bite-sized little chunks. Uh, only 140 characters I've 280 <laughs> characters now. Only 140 characters I've 280 heard. characters now. Brevity on that Twitter there. Brevity. Oh, yeah. Stephen Fry got stuck in a lift, didn't he? And, oh, what? <laughs> Twitter, eh? Mad. When did you see the first tweet with a paragraph indent in it and did your blood run cold like it did mine? But... Hey, the names that we've got, I've, I've had to use some of the actual Twitter names, so it's going to be interesting. Dr. Get Me writes... These are, even with your confrontational fucking Twitter handles, like, come get some. Dr. Get Me writes... I don't want to. This is a great question, actually. And it, it, it ties into current world events, but okay. you have free choice for the first film you get to watch in a post-lockdown cinema. What's it going to be? So we're allowed to go back into cinemas. Mm-hmm. You can watch any film you want in a cinema... What are you going for? I think I'll probably go with the new Bill and Ted movie, simply because Uh, I didn't watch it in the cinema. I've resisted all urges to go to the cinema during... Remember when they opened up for that, like, week or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) This'll work. And what? And we're all in the same room, is it? Yes. Good. Yeah, that's very, very good. Very good. And the cinemas and how much piss is in them? Is it this the regular amount of piss? Uh, uh, Yes. Yes. Very good. Very, very good. So I've resisted all urges to go to the cinema since. Mm. I think as a result that the only thing that was out technically in the cinemas yeah would have been i would have wanted to see was that i don't care for tennis that much because you know uh, as soon as i heard that it was a kind of mumbly (laughs) tennis for a minute i was like mate wimbledon wasn't on in the cinemas you know no no tenet Tenet. Tenet, not drawn to see that in the cinema. No. You know, I'd rather have it at home where I could play with my audio settings so I could fucking hear what they're saying or whatever it is. Take that, BBC high high profile dramas and tennis. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably going to be the Bill, Bill and Ted, Ted one. Have you seen Bill and Ted 3 yet? No, I've not. Okay. I was gonna. It was yeah. like, going to be the thing I watched because we were like, oh, over Christmas, let's watch one of the big movies that's come out and we'll rent it or whatever. Uh, yeah, available now on digital, as they say, oh. which... If you're waking up from a coma in 2004, checking your skybox, and you're hearing the phrase, on Disney. <laughs> really? 
Do I press the red button? <laughs> that monkey ad campaign must have really <laughs> gone down a treat for them to get these kind of deals. So my choice on this, on film to watch in the cinema post-lockdown, would be Parasite, because mm. I've only very recently watched Parasite. Oh, it's good. I watched it at home on telly, had a good time. It's an amazing film. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I immediately wanted to watch it again, and I then got sad that I hadn't had the opportunity to watch that in a cinema, because I think that would have been a perfect thing to watch in a cinema. I, and I would have had the opportunity, because that came out what, late 2019, early 2020? Yeah, there was like actually the last two movies I remember seeing in the cinema, because we were asked yeah. recently uh, on something what the last one was, and it was The Lighthouse, Lighthouse, and the second to last one I saw was Parasite. Yeah. I saw a screening of that. So I kind of feel like I'm that's good enough cinema that it'll probably do me for a couple of years. So bring yeah. it on lockdown, I don't give a shit. I would have gone for Parasite, and I probably still would go for Parasite if it is screened again, especially if they do the black and white version that I've heard about that they do. So that would be my choice. Now, Kevin, it's a musical podcast right <laughs> twitter handle if you could live in one film universe from the films you've covered so far which would it be and why mm. film universe universe yeah now i i can go with my answer first if you want some more time to, yeah, yeah, to ponder you, you hit me with yours let's see what we got here i was looking through our swells and there's a lot of them are grounded in this universe and i don't want to be in this universe i mean we've had some flights of fancy fantasy and sci-fi but the one i went for was who framed roger rabbit because i want to enjoy the chaos of cartoons and real people living side by side i think that would be fun and i think what's nice about that as well is that if you are terrified of the cartoons there's like mm. non-cartoon parts if you want to immerse yourself into fucking cartoon land you can hop across the bridge yeah and there you go there you'll be absolutely fine that's not bad i think you get sick of it though what i want to do is i want to see what living in a world where cartoons and humans coexist looks like from a first person pov perspective in three dimensions because <laughs> i imagine that's fucked up like those are flat 2d characters walk around them see what ha- do they continue to animate Ah, uh, oh, I just want to oh, see that. Someone should have asked Bob Hoskins while he was still with us what he what, saw. What did you see? <laughs> what, did you, what did you see, Bob? What did you see? Uh, that would be my go-to. I think that would just be a lot of fun, you know? I kind of feel like I'd like to go for either Back to the Future or Terminator, just because I feel like I've watched it. I mentioned this on, on Swill on Patreon, watching and reading a lot of time travel-related stuff recently, and I've got the cockiness of a guy who's done a lot of time travel reading and watching recently yeah, yeah, yeah. and ergo thinks that none of the faults that happened in all the many mangas video games netflix series and novellas and short stories i've read recently all of them i've got all the pitfalls sussed nothing right. could go wrong so yeah as long as they don't run into no time cops i should be okay i'm gonna go and i'm probably gonna go with back to the future seemingly because like we've already lived through the biff timeline of the last you know four years or yeah. whatever it is so i figured that was probably slightly more agreeable than robot armageddon interesting and you think your time travel knowledge would suit you well in a world where time travel is actually possible because you know all the ups and downs the pitfalls oh yeah absolutely i know yeah. that i could go back now and go to nottingham go to the bus depot slash all the tires on the buses that are going to the airport and then skylink doesn't even exist there we go yeah it, it has very much been pointed out to me that uh skylink i thought you did it on purpose that's no. why i was laughing 
nothing. No, I just didn't. I it was in my head. Skylink is the bus route. We've become so Nottingham centric recently on this podcast. <laughs> I thought it was a hundred percent. You were t- no, I wasn't being a dick. I just generally could, I got them confused. Skylink that I kept saying instead of Skynet is a bus that runs from Nottingham Central Nottingham to East Midlands Airport slash Robin Hood Airport, and that's why that was so ingrained in my head, and I couldn't remember what it was called. Thank you for everyone who's pointed that out to me. Do you want to know a really depressing story about Skylink? Yes, please. Okay. One time, and it would have been the first time since I moved to England, mm-hmm. I was going home from yep. Lincoln, and I was going from Lincoln to Ireland, vis-a-vis Nottingham and East Midlands, brackets Robin Hood Airport. Very nice. And I thought I had some money in my account, because I was living very much hand-to-mouth at that point. I had exactly enough money, or so I thought, in my account to get me my train ticket to Nottingham, my Skynet bus to the future, and yep. then to get myself maybe a sandwich in the airport and it would have all been grand and little that was the first year i was an amazon prime customer and i didn't oh. realize it auto renewed oh, so i arrived ah. i arrived in nottingham overdrawn so i went ah. to get my skylink thing and my my card got bounced back and because i was an immigrant i wasn't entitled to an overdraft oh. so i had to go into my pocket take out my 3ds i had one game in there mario kart 7 and i had to tr- i went over you to the game you mario kart 7 they gave me seven quid for it so i had two quid change for my skylink to get oh. to the airport and you know what that is probably the best mario kart i'm going to say now because i've been affected emotionally by <laughs> So as bad as your Skynet gaff was, it wasn't yeah. as bad as my gaff. No. Look, I, I love that these little things can direct us towards little vignettes of your life. <laughs> I, I always like these little And you know what? stories. The fucker who bought the game off of me yeah. in the secondhand game shop or whatever, he mm. knew what he was doing. Like, he knew. It was like, you never see he someone... you on purpose. He, he knew exactly what was happening. Like, he knew how desperate I was. He could smell the desperation as you came in. <laughs> Is that too many people come up to the counter with their DS, put it on, take out the game, and are like... <laughs> <laughs> I should have gotten a sweetheart deal. I did not. No. Well, thank you very much. It's the musical podcast for that question. Final question here. Final question. It's a quick one. Quick fire. It's the Valentine's Day question. Gavin writes, if you had to choose a movie to watch with someone on Valentine's Day from what we've covered on Swirl or Swill, what would you go for? Now, this doesn't have to be what's the most romantic film we've done, but what would be a good Valentine's date movie of what we've seen? Now, my go-to answer for this... It's it sounds weird, and then you go uh, oh, Akira, yeah. Akira man. You sh- sh- show them Akira, and then you know they, they'll know you know if they're cool or not. <laughs> you want dates to be a test, don't you? You want, yes. you want to just yeah. say nothing, no eye contact at the end. Did you get it? If they can't give you a decent enough answer, out the door. Not yep. them. You just leave. Rocky. All right. Rocky. We got a bumbling, cute romance going on with all the boxing stuff as well. We got the story of Rocky mm. and Adrian and Rocky doing his little jokes. You're a funny guy, right? You're a, a funny guy. It's cute. It's cute stuff. I did it for you, Adrian. How could you not be mushy after that? Oh, see, this is why you're my OTPs, because you've got a good head on your shoulders as it relates to movies like that. Thank and you. regards to what I would recommend you doing though, mm. I mean it really is dependent on who it's with, though. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. And I feel it's not fair asking me this question because you're basically saying, what movie do you want to show, Joe? <laughs> well, it, okay, if we're in an imaginary, maybe a new lover situation where it's a, a recent blossoming romance and you, whoa, you want to... Whoa, no, this, this is too much, too much imagination. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. 
you discussing hypothetical relationships on this podcast, sir? <laughs> Uh, okay, never mind, never mind. License no. in relation to the host oh, no. on, on, the, on the dashboard, please, sir. Thank you. Officer, please. <laughs> it was just one time. Uh, what I would say is I would yeah. definitely show Joe <laughs> movies that I know she already likes, like Mary right. Poppins. And she, we watched Rocky once and she fell asleep and maintains that it's not the romantic fucking powerhouse of a movie I maintain okay, it is. Right. But I will say on Valentine's Day, it's not the time to put on a romantic movie to like win an argument. You know, like, we're going to no. put this on and you're going to see how romantic it is <laughs> when he says, Adrian, I did it for you. And that, that's not a trip to a good time. You know, you don't want the end of the film to be there. Wasn't that actually quite romantic? So, you know, who's, who's, who's correct now there's nothing more Me. romantic than being correct though like no, that is it's not you know it's the most romantic thing and arguably the sexiest thing so it's perfect you're right paul verhoven was ahead of his time they said looking longingly into your eyes you know it's it's what it's all about i will say though oftentimes it's come up in this podcast you yeah. know dates and things of that nature yeah i've always thought that the cinema was a coward's date <laughs> I always thought it was. <laughs> I see what you're saying. It's a bold statement. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> the coward's date. It is. You got to put a little bit of work first because there's minimal interaction. I think if you have some some hanging out pre and post cinema, then that's fine. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. A decompression afterwards. I don't know if it's typically just we'll go to the cinema and that is the entire date. I think in that case cowardly well d depending on the cues we could get seven or eight minutes of connection you know getting if they want popcorn you know <laughs> yeah that's all you need so thank you let's close up the mailbag thank you for all your yeah. questions if you've got any more send them on over to cinemaswirl at gmail.com okay. cinemaswirl gmail.com that's yeah. Well, Sam, what's that we have over there? I see with his with his fluttering wings and his big eyes. It's only all cute. Oh no, it's a fucking big in ah, it's a big insect. Jesus! Oh God, turn off the light. Turn off the light. Oh no, it was Cupid. It was. Oh, <laughs> it is Bo and his arrows. Sorry, to look I, at what Bridget Jones-related thing that. Could I thought be. I thought it was a stinger. I'm sorry. They were Cupid's bow arrows is what they were there very sorry let's go do a cinema swirl Initial gut reaction to the diary of Bridget Jones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, not. No. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, these are yes. <laughs> as in you, the initial gut reaction, we can confirm Sam has had one. Yeah. He has told us now. Yeah. Uh, is that positive as it relates to it being a movie? That you had a fun time? Were you were you laughing? Were you ooing? Were you on? What was going on? I laughed. I felt some emotions. Emotion? Yeah. 
There was a bit of emotion in the ocean for me. There was some emotion going on. We've had strict discussions about this before. There was to be no emotion on this podcast. I was feeling that sweet emotion and I'm not afraid to say it. I was feeling some almost nostalgia for a different time and then almost Aha! some uh, how good that we're not in that time anymore for a time. Whatever the opposite of nostalgia is. Quartz tinted glasses, I believe, is what it might be. So yeah. looking back and you realise just how not great it actually was in some respects. <laughs> There was a bit of all that mixed into a film where I felt like, yeah, that was all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a question, Mm. and I didn't say it at the offset, but as a man approaching his 30s, talking to a man (sighs) who's Mm. in his 30s, did the heavy theme of Dirty 30 hit you hard in this movie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the lack of choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. M- move on, move on. And so you were aware that you were illegally parked. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I, I really like in interviews and stuff is where someone's asked a question and they answer with a single syllable and then they keep saying, like, move on. You know, when someone, like, shuts down after they've been asked a question they don't like, like, yeah, move on, move on. No, we're, we're done. Yeah, okay, great question. Next one, please. Yeah, no, it, something hit me where... I, I mean, when this came out, I would have been 10, right? Wow! Look, we'll have younger listeners who won't have even been... Uh, maybe not even been around when this came out. But I was 10 when this came out and to me, the idea of Bridget Jones was always this sort of... Not older woman, but like a a woman. But now I'm like I'm basically Bridget Jones' age. I'm oh, facing the same so Bridget Jones you re- stuff. You remember this from a kid and being like, it don't get much more older than thirty. And now you're looking at this going, maybe Sylvester Stallone had a point when he wrote <laughs> Life Begins at Sixty in that special magazine for men who were over the age of sixty. I think it was it was vaguely around as a cultural thing. And I was like, oh that's you know adult stuff. Not adult stuff. Not like pervy in a pervy way, but like, you know, uh grown ups dealing with all their grown up problems. And now I'm like, oh no, that is that's where I am now. That's where my life is now I'm there now. That's me now. Would you like some meaningless platitudes from someone who is well into their 30s now and enjoying every second of us? Please, because I'm not there yet. Nearly there, but not yet. Not there yet. Age is just a number. Now, <laughs> it's very important. You know, it's very important that you speak very quickly after that as well. And you don't leave a gap. Because right. if you say, listen to this now, age is just a number. The thoughts have crept in now, haven't they? You think, yeah, but numbers do all sorts of important <laughs> things that make me worried all the time. Like maths... And yeah. all of data. There. So you need to fill that gap straight away with something else. Some other platitude about being in your 30s. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. Live, laugh, 30s. That's what I say. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm preparing to do. Not there yet. Still clinging on to the late 20s for now. But it's going to come up and it's going to hit hard, I imagine. If I mean, if Bridget Jones is anything to go by, your 30s are terrible. Yeah, but, but you can view it like this, right? You are going to be going into an early blank you know i know you'll be thinking Mm. oh i'm downgrading to a car i don't like yes but it's in a color that you like (laughs) early 30s huh come on one of the things i was most excited for about turning 30 and there's not much right was that my fitbit this is a bit in the weeds but my fitbit has a thing where it tells you you're 30 years old (laughs) (laughs) get up off the couch you're 30 look at the watch you're 30 now it does a thing you haven't stood up in an hour you 30 year old bastard (laughs) it tells you your cardiovascular fitness score right and it has it like what's average to good to bad for people your age and Mm. for for a while mine was between 20 and 29 so i was being measured up against men who were like 2021 right 
And now I was thinking, well, when I turn 30, I'm going to bump up a couple of notches on the score there. I'm going to be quite good for my age. Turns out they already did that at the start of this year. They just knew that was the year that I turned 30. So they bumped me into that category and it hasn't gone up that much. So the thing I was looking forward to, like maybe thinking I'm actually quite healthy and fit for my age, has already happened and it didn't make much of an impact. You see, you made the usual mistake there now is that you didn't count on your body aging as well as the actual number of your age as well and that's kind of like a it's an almost continuous process that it's a tricky one now but i thought you were gonna say you made the mistake of hoping for something good to happen and (laughs) make you feel better but that's the problem these are just numbers and numbers don't matter right they don't but i was gonna say you can really wangle something going oh it's the 30th you know but you know that's probably not gonna happen given current events (laughs) so new year's day bridget jones is 32 it's her 32nd year of being single, so she's off to her mum's dinner thing. Like a kind of, you know, old people having a thing where they all eat turkey curry or something. That sounds like a very southern thing to me now. They're very, very southern indeed. I've not know. been to one of these sort of parties. And when I say southern, I mean the parts of England that people seem to hold in the most contempt here. That's what I what I really yeah, mean yeah, yeah, by yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, now, it's interesting this. New Year's Day this is. Mm. And yes... Pretty festive, Christmas-wise. I thought this was bang out of order, if I I do say so myself. (laughs) This is bang out of order. It's top and tailed with some festive stuff here, so maybe we've fudged the timing a little bit, but that's all right. (laughs) The only way to make people more upset about us doing Bridget Jones's diary is to do it as a Christmas movie as well. (laughs) But don't worry, next year's Christmas special will enrage you in equal parts, so don't worry, it'll be absolutely fine. Now, Now, the problem is, I think, is that we're going back in time here, and they're saying that, Oh, Christmas comes earlier and earlier each year, but what we don't realise is that a knock-on effect of that is that it ends earlier as well. And you have mm. none of this New Year's Day Christmas tree bollocks. Also as well, you're coming at me now with your turkey on New Year's Day. We're talking a seven, eight-day window since that turkey first saw sun. And I don't I don't think <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's not sure about that turkey. That's not peak turkey, Sam. Is what I'm saying. No, 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 no. That's not peak turkey. That's trough turkey. Is what that is. (laughs) Very early on, I got a sense that some of the humour here is a little bit. How can I put this? Near to the knuckle, perhaps. British. A a bit that British kind of two. It was. This is like early two thousands. We're still kind of. This is like two thousand and one. So we're still in that nineties laddish kind of. The jokes. The the script. I I love that you're referring to Bridget Jones as being laddish. It's a a classic lad movie, you know? guys expecting Rambo, they're they're not listening. They're gone, Sam. You're not going to get them back. Their headsets are turned off. (laughs) There's a line that Bridget's mum says that is about how she's dressed. The eye is my, you know, 2021 with my attitudes and my eyes. I don't even want to repeat it. It's all a bit like, oh, jeez. And there's a pervy, bum-grabbing, non-uncle uncle and things like that. Oh, remember back in the day, though, where you could have a pervy uncle and it'd be all right now it's all oh you can't have a pervy uncle like what's going on well it's not saying that it's all right but it's that it even then it's very clearly positioned as this is bad and wrong and not okay but yeah it's, but it's not for shock laughs that was for a laugh that was literally for a laugh of familiarity yeah, yeah. and there oh, is another yeah, we- joke that that the mum uses and usually my rule in swirl kind of is like look if they make a dodgy joke or a dud joke or a duff 
guff joke from yeah. around the time or whatever. I won't try and pay too much attention to it. Yeah, yeah. But they did use this joke about, I think, is it Mr. Darcy? And like, oh, he's separated from his wife and his wife is Japanese. And then the mum says offhandedly race. that they're a cruel race. And I thought, oh, that's a, a quite a, a random, very racist thing to say. But they yeah. say it like four more times in the movie. It's... <laughs> It's one so of I have to bring it up now because it's like the it's the closest thing to a callback. A callback they have is later on. We're like, remember when we said that the Japanese were cruel? Way I don't even know if one, that act one is even a horrible racist stereotype that exists. Does that fall into the category of xenophobia, and not racism? I guess perhaps. I don't know, but it's strong. I don't mean to be like, oh, this is too much for me, but it lays it on thick straight away. But that's not to say that things aren't funny. You know, the idea of the height of sophistication being gherkins on cocktail sticks and then the mum bringing out a plate of gherkin. Something that's very funny about the the green colour of a gherkin on a kind of china dinner plate with sticks in it. It's the just... funniest thing for me was her using the phrase mini gherkin and I was like they're called cornichons. Come on now. I know what you've got there. And then the gherkins that were circulating were most certainly not miniature. Those were full size as far as I was concerned. The gherkins that were circulating, were they perhaps gherculating? <laughs> well, hey! Good night. Now, I want to address the, the big rumour from the offset here mm. now. Where we get introduced to a literal Mr. Darcy, Mr. Yes. Darcy, as played by Colin Firth, who somehow in 2001 is both younger but older looking? Yeah, I know what you mean. He doesn't look old, but he looks old. Yeah? He's more weathered appearing here, like, kind of, you know. He's more shop handled than he is in more current times, I think. Now, I need to address this rumour. I know usually people listen to Cinema Swirl for, like, the heavy hitters, you know, your Blairs, your Millibands, your Camerons, etc. But do you know, vis-a-vis British politics, the heavy rumour that was circulating and apparently debunked this year about the character of Mr. Darcy, played by Colin Firth? No. Right, so he plays a human rights lawyer, and he's apparently, given that this was something that was originally in, in a newspaper and then serialized into a book and was in kind of very much of what was happening at the time, Sam, the rumor is that it's none other than 2021 Labour leader, UK brackets, Keir Starmer. What? Is it- is Keir Starmer. Based on Keir Starmer. Now, the author did come out and explicitly say, no, no. <laughs> it's not based on Keir Starmer. But I counter, you would say that though, wouldn't you? Yeah, I suppose you, w- you fairness, would say that. Yeah. You know, there are not too many human rights lawyers who are in the news at the time. Hmm. But the idea of Keir Starmer being this kind of handsome, aloof... Uh, I don't know, but maybe. Are you saying hashtag not my care? Like, you know, you want a slightly bloated, confused man? Like, I'm not saying anything about Keir's appearance, but I, I, I don't see it. But it could that could be the case from the book that that was based on Starmer and and his his charm. Keir Charmer, more like. Thank you. Thank you. I think you should edit that bit out. I think that's wrong. Like, that, that you, you said that. Here's the thing, right? I just, I didn't think there would be. A, I've seen this movie before and I was aware of the rumor. Mm. But this time, now I'm living in a world where the author completely debunked this and was really adamant that it wasn't the case. Right, yeah, yeah. It was, I was, you might as well have just digitally inserted Keir for Starmer. the 30th anniversary Keir Starmer in there, you know, Union Jack and all, waving it. So I, it was, it was an, it was a different watch for me this time. Right. Yeah, that has coloured it for me now. I'm kind of thinking, oh, that, that's completely changed my perception of what happens here. I'll tell you what it is though, as well, you can tell Sam, because he's got bad banter. Yeah, bad banter. I wouldn't want to have a pint 
fight with Mr. Darcy. Bad banter. Not not got my votes. Yeah, so Bridget's mum is trying to set her up with this Darcy fella, this Keir Starmer fella. I mean, Colin Firth, very handsome, right? Oh yeah, he's a handsome man, yeah. A handsome guy. But the thing that Bridget is genuinely put off by the fact that he's wearing a dorky Christmas jumper. Come on now! We have a lot of narration going on here, so we sit here a lot of Bridget's thoughts and presumably her diary over some of this stuff. And her being like, oh, perhaps not, when he's wearing the jumper, as an actual thing that might be off-putting, is, oh, come on, nowadays, that's that's a tick in the yes column. I thought you told me there were going to be the good old days. I didn't realise there were bad old days as well. Yes, bad old days where your charming Christmas sweater, far being from like the mainstay of Christmas and landfills was actually something relegated to being worn by stuffy freaks like here <laughs> Star- sorry Mr. Darcy so stuffy freaks <laughs> I think she looks at him like he's got his dick out here. Yeah. It's like, come on, it's just, I've got almost an identical jumper. Yeah, I got, like those jumpers. You know oh, what Kevin, are we Keir Starmer? No, we're not. No. Stop it. No. <laughs> I want to put those rumours to bed and absolutely debunk that. Yeah, Bridget makes an absolute meal out of kind of flirtatious conversation with Mr. Darcy here. And he, in turn, talking to his mother, who's trying to set him up with her, calls her a verbally incompetent spinster who smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, and dresses like her mother. Kaboom! Bridget overhears it. Ah. Credits. <laughs> Credits are all a sad little yes. short film that was. <laughs> so, yes, bottom tier banter here. Mm. Shut down straight away. Although I watched this, I can't help but get the general feeling that I would have... Not that I wanted to be set up with anyone by my parents, but the fact that my parents never even tried, I would have liked to see them have a go. Because it yeah. seems like a very British thing here. I don't know if that... Do you reckon your parents are ever going to set you up or, or do you ever worry that your parents might might try and set you up? That's never happened to me and I, I doubt it ever will happen to me that there's any kind of thing where they try and introduce me to a, a person with a, a Christmas jumper and I go, oh no, not that Christmas jumper. Ugh, disgusting. No, thank you. <laughs> It hasn't happened. We got our first of many scenes where Bridget is upset and on her own and dealing with this. And it's something that, you know, probably doesn't get shown or didn't at the time get shown very often on mm. the big screen, which is someone just singing on their own and applying the soothing balm of Fraser and iced cream. <laughs> These are my favourite scenes in the movie because I yeah. relate very heavily to this, yeah, particularly yeah. the Fraser bit. So I thought... <laughs> The all by myself playing while Bridget is all by herself drinking and smoking and. England. Don't wanna be in England. My government's killing me. But this was a nice opportunity. I thought that's a that's a bit obvious, isn't it? To have all by myself playing while Bridget is all by herself. However, the non-diegetic music, Kevin, becomes diegetic because Bridget starts miming along and playing air drums. And now it's like, actually, this is a very fun sequence. This is a good title sequence thing that happens here. I really enjoyed it. Now, the one thing that they did that was very, very smart, mm. and they, they told a fine line here. She was drinking a lot to soothe her emotional distress. Yes. But I thought it was very good of them and brave of them to make sure she was still using a glass because I think 
someone tanning a bottle of corner shop on their own there yeah, without yeah. a glass, singing a song and watching Frasier. Like, I've been there, man, and I don't want that to be on the screen. No one should should have to see that. Do you think the props person or the set dresser was like, no, no, that is too far. <laughs> that's how I wore this in here now. <laughs> I will not allow it. Bridget is writing her titular diary to keep herself on track now. So this is kind of spurred her on to motivate herself to get her life as she sees it in order and of course if this was in 10 years time she would have started a blog spot or if it was 20 years time she would have actually it was 20 years time instead of starting a diary she would have taken a break off of twitter that's what would happen <laughs> says that's the equivalent now of like starting a diary is like stopping doing that instead you can follow us at cinema swirl as well and i'm at kevin man and sam is at sam chaplin twitter yay (laughs) twitter but i'm bridget's first focus in her getting on track and sorting things out is weight loss the stuff that we're gonna talk about here is two bloody blokes it's gonna be interesting the perception then that I mean, the perception now, beauty standards for women then. Oh, right. I was actually, I'm very glad you brought this up because I was watching this like a fucking idiot. And then right at the end of the movie, I think, because she starts weighing herself in her diary. Yeah. And she is like, you know, she writes down how many pounds she is or whatever it is. And of course, yeah, very British writing down how many pounds you are. She's not a fucking professional wrestler. Where are my stones at? Like, come on, make it relatable. So Joe came in towards the end where it's like over Christmas. Yeah. Spoiler alert, there's another Christmas coming. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Christmas happens. <laughs> 2022, there's another one coming as well, lads. Yeah. Don't you worry. But there's a part where it's meant to be like, oh, she's crazy. Like, she's eating so many. It's like, I've eaten a thousand mince pies mm. and I'm 140 pounds. And Joe came into the room. And she's like, do you know how much that is? And I go, I don't know, like what, like nine stone? She's like, it's like 10 stone. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, that's not particularly heavy is it no "No." and she told me this was very alarming she said pretty much out of every girl she knew who saw this movie when she was in school yeah that she said around 70 to 80 percent of them had some sort of like troubled takeaway from where they either had some like issue with their body yeah or they felt bad about their or they became a bit more obsessed about their weight or they just started weighing themselves when they never did before or in some cases it was like you know more severe like body dysmorphia or like kind of eating being dysregulated or whatever it is so like it is very easy for us as top blokes to be watching this and that could easily go by the wayside because it mm. is just peppered throughout she's like i'm obsessed with keeping track of my weight and they're like yeah what a modern girl but it's actually quite fucked up considering that it's one of the first kind of movies that we've done where it was very much trying to be like hey this is for the every woman you know it's not mm. like kind of a big glamorous hollywood production it's like she's a regular working career girl in london who's obsessed about her weight and you should be as well yeah, yeah the only thing they don't do is have her say the size of everything she wears every time she changes her clothes it's like a step away from that it feels like yeah the weight stuff comes up very often and it's it's a tricky thing and it comes up a lot and it obviously was a big deal then and it, maybe this film as you say did like impact people to oh no question it, yeah. it absolutely did you know it like but you know i'm sure in some cases if it made more people talk about issues they were having but i don't think it, yeah. it kind of it balanced it out in any way i think it was definitely a case of more harm than good 
good in terms of making it all a little bit more toxic and whatnot. But look, hey, I never said earlier that age is just a number. Weight is just a number as well. I got a fancy new weighing scales mm. for January because I am a parody in their 30s. And I love it because I, I got on and I weighed myself. I was like, okay, I'm going to you know, I've, I've put on some weight over Christmas. Yeah, but sure. it's a smart scale, so it's going to send me, like your Fitbit, all this special data. Right. And it's told me that my bone density is very high. <laughs> And it's every time I open it. I don't know. It's red. So I assume it's not. But like, I know there's problems if your bones can become like porous or whatever it is. And Mm. I've been Googling like, what is wrong with my bones? Now... Like, you know, and I, I've spent my life like studying science and biology and my, you know, I have a lifelong kind of interest in physiology and biology and all that jazz. And yep. even I get fucking wrapped up in the stupid bullshit of weighing yourself in modern times. So yeah, solidarity out there, because it ain't fucking easy by any stretch. Kevin, I think if this film was set in current day and Bridget had a smart scale, we might be watching Bridget's Bones Diary. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Now, of course, if this comes in a few weeks' time when I'm asking people to send me in their bones because mine are too heavy for me to get up off the couch anymore, I don't know what it means. Dem bones, dem bones. Yeah, so th- there, there's a lot of weight stuff coming up. We'll probably mention some of it, but yeah, it's it's a bit. It, it speaks to when this was set, I guess. I know that issue hasn't gone away, but it, I, it seemed particularly bad. I remember some of that stuff happening in Love Actually that I've seen as well. Stuff with Martin McCutcheon. A lot of the charming British films at the time where they were like, yeah. "Oh, dearie, sorry, bibbly bobbly, lots of bad things." <laughs> you know that that type of business. Well, speaking of bibbly bobbly, oh yeah, Bridget fancies her boss who is bibbly bobbly. He's on the beat. Who is it? <laughs> it's Hugh Grant himself. My first, like, proper big laugh came when she was talking about how she fancied this boss, but she was worried he wouldn't reciprocate. And it cut to her singing karaoke at the Christmas party, doing, I can't live uh, without you. I, 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 a soft spot for bad singing. I, yeah. I, like, bad singing and bad dancing. Two of those things. <laughs> So, uh, always funny to me. And when they come together, oh boy. Now, I think that could be a bit much, bad singing and dancing. I don't want you all singing all dancing. I want bad singing or bad dancing. So, Bridget's trying to impress her boss. She's writing in a diary that, oh, she shouldn't be flirting with her boss and all that. But she's trying to come across as little Miss Fancy Pants talking about, oh, thank you, Professor, whatever his name is. And Hugh rumbles her with his professor knowledge that that professor's been dead. So... Have you ever pretended to be on the phone with someone? Yes, but not for this reason. Not out loud to anyone else. But I have... I used to have this thing where if I would ever need to turn around in the street... Oh, here we go now. If I was walking in a direction and I felt like I needed to go back the other way... (laughs) Yeah, I'm just turning around now. (laughs) Yeah, no! (laughs) I'd have to come up with either being on the phone and be like... I'll know the meeting's back in the other direction, then turn around. Or look at my watch, as if my watch was going to say, I haven't got time to continue in this direction, I'm going to have to head back. I'd always have to do some signal. You're a video game character, like your watch is your waypoint. Oh no, sorry, it's the way now, I have <laughs> to go, go back. I'd always have to visually signal that I'm turning around. I don't know if I've ever pretended to be on the phone to trick anyone into thinking I'm smart, or for any kind of japes or foolery. Yeah, you're layering your deceptions there. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. too much, I think. I mean, I used to try and do it now and then when I... I didn't have a, a fancy iPhone. I only had an iPod Touch, so I'd be like, oh, who's calling me? S- yes, Tiny Tower? Who, this is... <laughs> 
this is this is Mr. Man, yes. And these temples, you're running through them, I hear. Okay, interesting. Hey, Sally Phillips is here. I know Sally Phillips. And there's nothing quite as frustrating as watching this movie's scenes with Sally Phillips. Mm. And you're like, come on, Sally, get, do any of the... Th- come on, give her a line, please, please. Please, like you get you get Sally Phillips, who genuinely I think is one of my fucking top comedian actors. Whatever, she's yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious. I will watch anything she is in. She's brilliant. She is the all-time greatest Taskmaster contestant as well, as far as I'm concerned. And if the best thing you can come up with her to say is fuck, like come yeah. on, yeah. I mean, the whole the, her three friends. I'm not sure they have that many dimensions to them. I, I but together they form they the semblance. Form one- <laughs> Of pol- polygonal shape. I assume that's kind of intentional, I guess. And they don't have time yeah. to delve into those characters, really. And they're just kind of supportive friends, and they've all got their little individual quirks. The kind of flippancy with which this movie treats the concept of friendship, where it's kind of later on, like in the end of the movie, when like the friends come to save her, and she's like, yeah, guys. <laughs> Alright. Like, Bridget Jones's diary as a more modern tale, where I think most people who would kind of empathize or relate mm. to, to Bridget Jones or whatnot, I think they wouldn't have like a circle of the coolest, sexiest support of friends ever. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with you tonight. Goodbye. Yeah. Check out these 2001 modern elites as well, doing things like buying phones and eating Mexican nacho tortilla chips with <laughs> avocado sauce. It's the new millennium, baby. We could do what we want here. Including smoking as much as we fucking like. The fucking, I was like, what's that third dish? It was a trough of cigarette butts. Ew. It's so easy to forget there was a time where you could just smoke in public like restaurants and bars and things and stuff like that. It's I, weird, I isn't it? I always think, and if you're a smoker and you listen to this and you probably think, oh, fuck you, I miss yeah. those days so bad. But I'll tell you, by the time I turned 18 in Ireland, they had already put in the anti-smoking in public right. places laws. And I was like one of the first places in the world to do it. And there was fucking uproar about it. But you know what? I was very happy that I managed to go most of my life not having to deal with the scourge of secondhand smoke mm. because I'd be pi- I'd be pissed off going back in time. Be careful, you go in there, you're gonna be like not enjoying your meal, folks. Because unless you're eating that trough of cigarettes, you're not gonna <laughs> taste that guacamole. Speaking of time capsule type stuff, Bridget's getting MSN hotmail messages from a hotmail in her office. Hey, Hugh Grant. I will say Hugh mm. Hugh Grant's hair defies explanation. Aww. Good hair. Good hair on that guy. Good head of hair on him, that fella. The only way I can describe his hair, and I am speaking from personal experience, Mm. is if you've had a lot of dandruff. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Okay. I'm just saying a very large quantity of dandruff. Mm. And you really have to like, you get the nails in. You really scratch it out. And you scratch and scratch and scratch. You get all of it out. It's all gone. And then afterwards, inexplicably, your hair looks really good. That's Hugh Grant's hair. Have you ever ever happened? Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Good explanation. (laughs) Has to be of a certain length is what I'm saying here. And a certain crust as well has to have formed. If it's too early, it'll be raw and it won't be good. How have you managed to make... (laughs) Speaking about Hugh Grant's hair, kind of disgusting. <laughs> a great talent that you have. So these two are kind of flirting back and forth about, like, how Bridget's wearing a, a short skirt. He's saying, oh, terribly sorry, Bibbly Bobbly, your skirt appears to have gone missing. Ha 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 ha, send. And she, she's, like, 
writing in her diary that she needs to stop flirting with this guy. Don't make a thing out of this. And she's looking around the office like, should I be sending these messages to him? And then the next day, she's wearing a bloody short skirt and being dead flirty. So I thought this was a setup. You know, the first time she's sending those messages back and forth and he's on the phone. I thought someone else would be messaging her or it'd be a goof or like this was gonna but no it's genuinely just her boss is flirting with her and they're making jokes (laughs) about how not okay it is (laughs) that at least happens in an episode of cold feet if not at least two or three other british movies of some sort because the idea of a british office where someone fucking flirts with someone and then they flirt back and that's it that what? No. Yeah. I think I've been uh, have had that like Pavlovian conditioning to expect some sort of twist there that one of them is not talking to who they think they are. I moved to this country because I was promised there would be crumpets and misunderstandings. And I thought both I would never get sick of either of those things. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, the best flirty line that she uses, this is fucking great. Yeah. Shut up, I am very busy and important. Yeah, I, well, I've used that one a few times. That's one of my uh, <laughs> go-to lines. <laughs> you shouldn't use that one first, though. You shouldn't use that one No, you got to build away. up to shut yeah, up, yeah. I'm very busy and important. I had to learn that the hard way. But yeah, they're, they're kind of goofing about how non-PC and kind of inappropriate this is. It's all it's all a bit of fun talking about you know all sorts of sexual things and being very flirtatious. Her friends give her the worst advice with how to mm. get his uh, attention and whatnot. She's going to this launch for the book. She works in publishing, and she's yes. going to be introducing someone who introduces someone else. So she's kind of she's going there, and she wants to show off and kind of give off an air of sophistication. So they're saying that she needs to circulate lots. And Mm -hmm. she also needs to introduce people with unique bits about them. Now, both those things, I think, are total bullshit. Yeah, yeah, That's not not really a good good plan, I don't think. Yeah, you you don't make yourself more interesting by introducing even more interesting people. What you do is you find the dullest motherfuckers in the room. And then you hang out with them. them. (laughs) And and then you cast your eye and go, can you believe how boring everyone is? (laughs) And then they'll naturally come over, you know? Yeah, yeah. I like that we get a kind of almost a Rocky-esque training montage, but it's of like leg shaving and waxing and, you know, sorting all this stuff out. Well, I want Rocky to do his training montage. It's like... There's like really distressing music. And we get Bridget dealing with the famous issue of deciding between the sexy pants versus the stomach sucky in pants i thought you were going to say the famous issue of uh, of salmon rush <laughs> how do we uh, how do we approach this <laughs> you have to choose between one or the other it's either salmon rushdie or his big pants you know and it's it's hard to choose i'm, I'm talking about the famous bridget jones big Big pants. They've become a, a cultural icon. Well, Spanx came out after this. Yeah. But she's here saying like, oh, these are my special pants which have got elasticated bits that will suck in parts of you. I'm like, wait a second. I've like watched a fucking documentary about Spanx being made here. This is contrary to the Spanx universe knowledge that I've been told. It was like the way they told it, Sam. No one even ever thought about compression of, of any sort. Bridget Jones invented Spanx. Thank you very much. She sold her stock too early. That's what happened. <laughs> of all the things I expected from a Bridget Jones movie, I did not expect extended Salmon Rushdie cameo, <laughs> which is like, what? That's a, that is an odd one, isn't it? Because like, I, yeah. I know he was obviously in the news a lot more back then. Mm. But it really felt 
about like wrong place, wrong time. Hey, I'm old. Is this pre or post fatwa <laughs> with Rushdie? Look, I understand. Post, like, I'm, I not, I'm not advocating for him to be further deplatformed from like you know Bridget Jones as well. Like, I'm just like you know it. It was an yeah. odd choice. Yeah, I didn't mind it. It was just weird. I was just like, oh, like, okay. It's, it's a completely different reason why, but it was as odd as if Andy McNabb was just there as well. You know, if he was just there. This book launch is a bit of a nightmare because also we get Colin Firth. He's here as well. Uh oh. And we get a little fun thing that I there must I think there was a film that we saw this happen in. There's a thing I really like in films. It's a sequence where you get a kind of imagined run through of what's going to happen, presented oh, yeah. as if it is happening, and then you sharp cut back to, oh, maybe I won't do that, and then actual... Was it... It might have been bloody King Arthur or something, where they're kind of imagining what happens and they cut back to, okay, let's not do that, or something. You mentioned fucking Shark Tale, and now... King Arthur. King Arthur. See, the, no, all right? Just... King Arthur, a classic British film. Fuck me, though. Belongs yeah. up there with Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones, King Arthur. Birds Give of us a our British shark tale already, with all the British fish who are happy fish in our waters. She does a monumentally terrible job at introducing people. Yes. And, like, if there's one thing I could say I could confidently do, and I'd say more so than podcasting anything else, it is introducing people. Because there's something about having the ability to have all the pomp and circumstance and and ability to do a little bit of showmanship, but no pressure. Because it's like, you're just introducing someone else. It's all yeah. on you. Yeah, no one's there for you. So therefore, you can have fun introducing other person and make that as fun as you want it to be. And you might ask, oh, Kevin, shouldn't you just be a compare? No, because I don't want to ask people what they've done for a living. That's... Or ask if there's anyone from a local university in. That's, that, no, I don't want to do that at all. And we're going to need a kind of uh, cheerleader here, someone to start the clapping, you at the back there. If you, if you start the clapping, we'll bring that all around now, and we'll bring on Salmon Rushdie! <laughs> Here he comes. No, it's not Salmon Rushdie. Although, Salmon Rushdie, very nicely, even, he does a little joke, because there's a bit where Bridget Jones, to try and show off, ages ago on that call to Hugh Grant, says that something is positively Vonnegut-esque, as in, like Kurt Vonnegut. And then we hear Salman Rushdie bullshitting his way through a conversation saying that something's positively Vonnegut-esque and Hugh Grant's like yeah whatever I don't know what you're talking about alright fine Yeah, I know so much about Salman Rushdie like so much so much I, like, I know do, nothing now you saying that has just undermined what I was doing now people are going to think I do know about him <laughs> okay, so now, now what are we going to do <laughs> Yeah, the greatest book of our time, Kafka's motorbike here. Am I the only one who thought that that was like, I guess it was 2001 and not later as I may have thought, but like, mm. I really for a second thought they were having a pop at Hugh McGregor's love of motorcycles. <laughs> so I was like, leave it out, all right? Like, Attack on the Clones is going to come out and prove all yeah. the naysayers wrong. Look, have a go at Hugh McGregor. He can take it. But Charlie Borman, leave him out, all right? He's, he's just doing his thing. Okay. He's not a Jedi. Leave him around. <laughs> leave him out, all right? Leave it out. <laughs> He can't fight his own battles. Yeah, she fluffs it. She messes it up. She desperately tries not to call Mr. Fitzherbert Mr. Tits Pervert. And that's a good little goof. But Hugh Grant very charmingly is like, oh, bibbly bobbly. I thought it was quite good. I'm going to have to take you to dinner now. Let's go to dinner immediately. Oh, I hate when he came over. It's the worst. Because like when you've absolutely fucking beefed it and then someone comes over and is like, do you want to have dinner? Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. I don't know how like deep they were going with this 
But Hugh Grant's character has like an almost predatory quality to him where like he ignores her for most of the night and then she fucks up the speech and he comes over and he's like, yeah. tell her to go to dinner. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't subscribe to the treat them mean to keep them keen, horrible mindset. He instead applies the logic of the world will treat her mean and therefore I will pick my moments at which she will appear to be keen, which is almost as bad. Yeah. It, in retrospect, now looking back, now I know what I know about the character that you can kind of guess from a million miles away by the way the little twist about who this fella is and he also says that Keir Starmer far far from being continuity Corbin sorry uh, he says that uh, <laughs> he says that uh, the Mr. Darcy yeah. actually did the dirty with his fiance. that's why he hates him he's a rat you should avoid him at all costs yes they were Cambridge buddies and he shagged he only shagged Hugh's missus and so and again, he's, yeah. he reason he's doing this it's not the real story it's because he has already identified before Bridget even has that yeah. he's a potential suitor and he's like cut it off there <sighs> it, ooh, all the tricks of 2001 he's got here now <laughs> I mean, he is launching a real charm offensive here because the little line that he does where he says, how about a drink at my place? Totally innocent, no funny stuff, just full sex. I'm a big fan of the term full sex. It's, it's very funny to me. I don't know why. When I think full sex, I just think fulling, full breakfast, like, you know, <laughs> like a big plate, like, you know. Full sex, followed by a full English. Like After that sex, you've got to hold up a plate, like be tardy or something like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, and she she's trying to kind of refuse his charming ways, but they they're smooching, and she ends up back at his. And uh, oh oh no, she's got the she's got the big pants on. Oh, you can't let him see the the big pants. But Hugh Grant, great guy. Yeah, Hugh Grant loves the Game Boy marketing campaign of the nineties, so he was like, "No, nah, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's funny. It's great. I'm not a Sega head, so I'm I'm on board. Like you know, I don't know what you mean." <laughs> Oh, right. There were this, uh, for those of you listening who may be from a younger generation or maybe were beating up people like me when you were in school, there was a special ad series for Game Boy when it came out in yeah. the 90s, kind of rude dudes with attitude phase of everything is smelly and like, hey, buy this new thing from Nickelodeon. It smells like dad's shits or whatever right, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> And they did a thing where it's like, you can get a Game Boy for like, you know, 70 quid. Or you can buy this massive pair of knackery old pants that smell as shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Hugh Grant was like, oh, I'll take the pants. Because he, charming guy, makes it non-awkward, jokes about it, you know, relaxes her, says he actually quite likes the big pants. So he's, what a a charming, charming guy. And I was going to say, oh, what is it like, Sam, to see Hugh Grant playing a different role? He's not. He's playing the same role. That's the devious thing. Mm, Oh. It's Hugh Grant. Playing someone playing Hugh Grant is what he's doing. He's playing the Hugh Grant character to get away with stuff. Little, you know, just little interesting filmmaking quirk here that I really enjoyed was, you know, those little stats about Bridget that come up, like the weight and all the how many cigarettes she's having and all this stuff she's putting in her diary. The mm-hmm. bit where they're like flashing up on the screens at Piccadilly Circus behind her. It's a nice way to integrate that into the environment and make it, and not just put, you know, some overlays on the screen. I thought that was quite a fun little way of doing that. And I like to call out just a little fun filmmaking thing that goes on there. Well, I like good, to call out job. something else about this movie now is as good a time as any. Mm. Sam, when you were watching the movie, did you notice anything about the title, like Bridget Jones's Diary and 
apostrophe placement. Hmm. I can, I mean, I've got to label this episode for release. I've got to put the apostrophe in the right place. So I don't, where would you Where would you think it should be? So her name is Bridget Jones. Yeah, and it's her diary. Mm-hmm. Your options are as follows. Okay. After the S, an apostrophe, and nothing else, or after the S and an additional S. Okay, you you identified this as there being options. Because yeah. I saw it on screen, I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. Just because, you know, two S's that close to each other never looks great. No, Bridget Jones's is. Yeah, the Flanders is. I was really not, not liking that. No. And then Joe, who was in the other room, was like, oh, that should be just Jones with an apostrophe on the end. And I was like, do you think that they didn't want to have a stray apostrophe on the billboard? Well, where is but it? Later in the movie, when she yeah. is writing in her diary, she does do it like the title card. It has Bridget Jones with S apostrophe S. But Jones's there yeah. are options. That's the thing. I didn't know there were options. I thought you could do one was right and one was wrong. I What's feel like it's, it's style either or. guides. Bridget Jones's is a style guide is what they need here to establish which one's correct. How was it spelled in the actual title of the movie? Apostrophe S. Bridget Jones S apostrophe S. Yes. two S's. Yes. Uh, I mean, that is correct. It is. It doesn't look great, though. No. Neither of the... Actually, neither option looks good. You're one S away from me thinking this is like a snake parody (laughs) of this this movie instead, like, you know? (laughs) Well, speaking of snakes, bloody Hugh Grant. What a oh, I thought you were going to segue character. into the egg peeler bit here now, oh, which the, was the wankable egg peeler thing that uh, Bridget's mum is demonstrating. What is that? All right, the bit at the start where he puts the egg in and she starts literally fucking jacking it off, like dunk, 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 like it's a fucking super soaker or whatever. Mm. And then the egg comes out peeled, like all right. Okay, ha ha ha. Fair you know, we're living in a pre-shake weight world or whatever, and South Park obviously watched this because then at the end it just comes for no reason. It's yeah, just, I think it's just you know I've eaten thousands of eggs and I defy <laughs> anyone to tell me what this white discharge is. <laughs> this egg cum that comes out. What I don't. The what fuck? Does she, I can't remember what she calls it. Discharge. Like, oh god. No, sorry, yes. I got the word here. Overspray. Overspray. Egg overspray. That's so much worse than discharge. Uh, overspray. If your doctor yeah. asks you if you've had any unusual overspray. <laughs> We're focusing too much on the fact that Bridget Jones' mum is demonstrating that. But it really draws your attention to this one joke of basically her mum's wanking off her thing and it sprays. And there's kind of this like B storyline for the whole movie, which mm. I don't know how clearly it links up with Bridget's struggles because Bridget in the modern style is like her mum is like I've got all these kind of uh, problems in my life I hate Mm. that I had children I'm having a midlife crisis I've not no career your father's not interested in me anymore I'm not interested in him we don't have sex nothing's good anymore I don't even like my favourite biscuits anymore Bridget Mm. and Bridget's like talk to the fucking hand old lady yeah I've got Nokia's to buy (laughs) (laughs) yeah she doesn't really engage too much with what her mum's saying it just kind of all happens in the background like it's almost as if the moral of it is to people like to jet xers it's like look the moral of the story here is ignore your parents because it'll just sort itself out they're their own people <laughs> well she's swept up in all this stuff. a hugh's taking her on a mini break she's going on a mini break yeah yeah i don't mind a mini break if 2021 is the year the cronut 2003 is the year the mini break or 
the midweek break. Oh, a midweek break. Here's, here's a question, Sam. Price affordably, mid- yes, please. Is a midweek break always a mini break, or can the two be separate? Mm, I think they're intrinsically linked. I think a midweek break will always be a mini break, but that's it's okay. because it will just become a week off otherwise, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, would you believe the exact oh. place where they're going for their midweek break, it's where they're doing the Labour Party conference. <laughs> oh, no. Damn it. Oh, Darcy's there. Of course he's there. And he's brought his girlfriend, Natasha, who's a kind of smug, posh lady. Oh, boo. boo. And she's a boo. lawyer as well. Boo. We all hate those. It's all right when we've got posh men because they're charming and sexy, but a posh woman, boo. We don't like this posh. Boo. so they go out on your typical romantic midweek break activity Mm -hmm. cans on a boat yes and this is meant to draw some sharp contrast between mark darcy rowing on a boat reading books and shit with his girlfriend and hugh and bridget are just fucking about drinking necking cans smoking later on he's there you know drinking a can in the shower and I'll fucking care there looking at his all my notes in the shower. <laughs> um, yeah, fall, falling in the water, all that kind of stuff. They're having a great time. They're swept up in this lovely romantic thing. It's all going brilliantly. Oh, she says I love you. Oh, that was... All right. That I, I, Yes, difficult. But the context of when she says that is particularly troublesome to me because there's a thing here which I, I want to bring up with you and I've done some Googling to make oh. sure I wasn't being a filthy-minded boy. There's a bit where Bridget's says the thing you just did i think she says to me mm-hmm. is illegal in certain countries and i don't know how many times they need to make this clear it is not illegal actually to give a woman an orgasm that has been on snopes for some time now no 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 because <laughs> she then says like do you love me and kind of i think she says that she loves him mm-hmm. and he he's like stop or i'll do it again as in the thing that he did that should be illegal okay are they talking about bum stuff is that what's happening here is that is that what's happening because i googled it and that's what people seem to think that there's some <laughs> there's some bum bum talk here sodomy is technically illegal i guess in certain countries right yeah i think that's what the implication is mm. but you know, look, uh, no aspersions or judgment or anything like that. All's, all's fine. I just thought, interesting point to have Bridget mentioned love after Hugh's like, I've done this. I'll do it again if you keep talking about this love stuff. Here's something to bite down on. Ah, uh, you know, br- brave, brave best of British film there to put that in there. I will just direct people to the Eric Andre special where he summed up my feelings on that topic yeah. more than I ever could. Uh, right. So... There you go. There's an hour between you finding out what I actually think about this. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to do the bit, but you <laughs> go, go watch the special. And we'll see. Okay. All right. Why don't you like the puss? Huh? Why don't you like the puss? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, Hugh Grant, after he's had his way, he's got to leave in the morning. He's got to go and he's got some business to attend to. Oh, he's got a big meeting back in London. He can't what? stay on More the like mini-break. More a big creeping back in London. Mate, you should have used your annual leave to book off the midweek break. Don't be having to do stuff. Oh, this bit I don't <laughs> like... There's certain things I don't like seeing and they just make me, like, infinitely sad. Yeah. Infinitely sad. Anyone eating on, on their own, ever, like mm. ever, always makes me fucking... Sad. I don't know. It says a lot more about me than it does about any of yeah. the people dining on their own. Where Not I've necessarily always... anything wrong with that, but you're saying it just it just makes you sad. 
It is. And anyone who is in fancy dress oh. that they'd rather not be in, fuck it. And I'm not just saying, like, if you're wearing, like, a sexy outfit or anything, that could extend to just any level of discomfort. No, yes. I'm not talking about Jim in the office pulling a face. Actual, just, I'm not feeling it, you know? Someone who's part of a tandem outfit who'd rather not. Yeah. Similarly, it breaks me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> now, if I'm to see a sad bunny eating on their own, I'm done. That's yeah. it. I'm going right home. Yeah. Like, I'm never leaving the house again. So Bridget's having to go to this party on her own. Dressed as a Playboy bunny. There's a Tarts and Vickers theme here. Yeah, I swear again, when I watched this movie the first time, I was like, oh, no, no. There's a very good, almost Blackadder-esque misunderstanding. And it's literally just, oh, no, we didn't tell you. No, we changed that. <laughs> and it's not that. And but Baldrick, they just didn't tell me. Oh, how will we get out of this one? Don't worry, I have a regular plan. <laughs> but, but there's a nice bit that uh, Bridget's dad is dressed as a priest. And there's a few people, it, it transpires that there's a few people dotted around who also didn't get the memo, which is quite fun. I like the fact that you end up seeing a few little characters here and there who also are in the same situation as Bridget, although perhaps not quite as bad. Uh, well, I think what warmed my heart back up and let me be okay was the fact that despite she's claims to be mortified mm. she's like oh god this is so embarrassing but she goes all the way back to london in a cab and she's still wearing like she rocks those ears the whole time so yes. either those i mean you know i've donned a, a pair of cat ears to use as a as a, as a headband in, in dire situations in my time you yeah. know so maybe it was just like a good solid pair of ears she pulls it off it looks great Look, in reality, she could have knit back to the hotel. She she must have some luggage with her in order to... But it's funnier and kind of bleaker that she's travelling back to London dressed as a bunny as she is. Also, one thing I want to point out is that Bridget's mum has got a new, like, boyfriend. Ah, yeah, and he's working the TV shopping channel. He's on the shopping channel. When he sees Bridget... What he does is he describes her bracelet as an all-rounder, and that is an absolutely savage, horrible. That's that's one of the meanest little that's comments a QVC in this whole cut thing. Down is yeah, what yeah. that is. Sam, oh, that's a, I described that as an all-rounder. Sam, oh. you know what I'd say to you? Yeah. I genuinely think if this podcasting thing doesn't ever work out for us, you and I either as a tandem or individually, would be excellent on TV shopping channels. You reckon? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, old people like you, right? <laughs> I figured. Yeah, 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 yeah. What will we be selling? Microphones. Any old shite. Any old shite. Yeah, Any yeah, old shite. Yeah, you, you could bring me on. You could introduce me. You could do your thing where you... Let's have Chaplin! Hey! Let's buy some stuff. Yeah, so Bridget's gone back to London. She's gone to Hugh Grant's, and she's kind of suspicious that something's going on, that this whole, oh, I've got to rush back to work thing is is a ruse and there's she thinks she hears something but there's, there's no one there never mind oh no wait there is someone there there is a, a nudie lady not only a nudie lady a new yorkie nudie lady who also is like you're overweight to yeah. bridge it where it's like come on now there's <laughs> i at least have some some sense of embarrassment the woman who's there nude in the bathroom well no reading. wonder new york city i hear they're all rude there <laughs> Bridget opens the door. And she's like, "I'm walking here, and that's how you." Yeah. I'm committing adultery here. Oh, this is the fucking shit here now. Mm. It's only only upon rewatching that I realise like what a fucking creep this lad is here. I just thought, oh, Hugh Grant, bad dude, whatever. Yeah. But he's he's subtle his manipulations. He calls her Jones the whole time until yes, and he then... gets caught, and then he starts calling her Bridge. Oh, yeah. you fucker! Uh, you big fucker! Don't do that. 
you dandruff-haired little prick. Fuck you. And the sad thing, she's still got to work in that office. That's the thing I I kind of forgot about. He's her boss. His explanation, he's like, I'm very sorry, Bridge, but you have to understand she's, she's so... She's terribly confident and young. Confident. And young. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know. You've got a lot on your hands, Hugh. I understand. He's doing this waffle about commitment and not being sure and not being able to decide. And they're engaged, him and New York lady. Whoa. They're engaged. Engaged. Come on. Well, Bridget Jones does one of the most empowering things anyone can do in this situation, which is exercise fueled by hatred. Yes, and fueled by vodka and Shaka Khan. (laughs) She actually says in the narration, she's not going to let this get her down. She's going to dance through it. She's going to get a new job. She's going to sort everything out. I love the sequence of her applying for many jobs. Mm -hmm. I find it very, very relatable. Yep. (laughs) And her new job is with... I don't know. This is the one point where I'm like, who's making this movie? Like, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like, this is this maybe best British, is it? This fucking TV show called Sit Up Britain. Sit Up Britain. Sit Up Straight Britain. Come on, sit up. It's on immediately after the Big Breakfast. It's like Big Breakfast, <laughs> Sit Up Britain. Outrage for the unemployed and enfeebled. Like, you know. yeah. What is Sit Up Britain? Please tell me because I have no fucking clue. Oh, it's not a real thing. No, but like, what's it meant to be an analogue too? It looks like Giacomo. If it, like, just that's from the color <laughs> branding. The it yellow looks and like the black. Giacomo. I think it's meant to be. It feels very um, early days of Channel 4. It's, I think it's supposed to be like the 90s Channel 4, where it's like, we're going to do that daytime TV stuff, but we're going to put a spin on a sideways look. You know that kind of blustery British... Johnny Vaughan, you're basically saying. It's then. Johnny Vaughan, the telly Johnny show. Vaughan, that's yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, I mean, the character of the boss of the, the telly programme is basically kind of Johnny Vaughan. <laughs> That type of a thing, yeah. Kind of like, oh, you, you, you've, had, you've been let go from your job for shagging your boss. Just say, so you no, know, there's not, none of that going around here. It's all right to shag your boss, eh? But I'm actually okay, but I'm just a bit of a cheeky pervert, but I'm not going to do anything dodgy. I mean, sit up, Rick, come on. Wait, I'm, I, a I'm simply not in the movie long enough to be a factor. <laughs> <laughs> it's all set as well, all this whole sequence to Aretha Franklin. Great soundtrack yep. in this movie. E-N-G-L-N-G. Find out what it means to me. E-N-G-L-N-D. Find out what it means to me. Wonderful. And so now she's got a new job. She gets to go back into the office, in front of the whole office, and say that she'd rather, and again, you can tell when this is in time, she'd rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass than working another day for Hugh Grant. And Tony Blair's like, ooh! <laughs> and so, look, Bridget has gone straight on camera here in her new job at Sit Up Britain. I thought she was going to be like a researcher or something. She, she's not only she on camera, she's mm. to camera as well. To camera, direct to camera, a piece to camera now, Bridget. She's been told to wear a miniskirt and slide down a fireman's pole at some sort of fire station. Yeah, now, so this goes out live where she slips down the fire pole and they're like, stop, and they're like, oh, let's go live. And then magically, it's like right from underneath her, like perv cam. Yeah. Bam, down she comes. And it cuts back to her in her flat and she's like 
Oh, well, I'm a national embarrassment now. And it literally never comes up again. <laughs> no, the, what, the, she's the bum lady. I'm just saying Channel 4 would have given her a reality show in 2003. Oh, yeah, then. yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was 2021, she would have gotten a fucking Netflix series about it. That would have been a career boon. She's acting like this clip has gone viral, but this is pre-viral times. This It, it might have been repeated in some sort of late night. Yeah, no, pre-social media, it could only go fungal. It could grow in the dark a little bit. That's about it. Yeah, nothing bad ever happens pre-social media. Poor Bridget now. She's been invited to another dinner party. She's always going to dinners and parties and things and dinner parties. This type of dinner party is like, I I don't have nightmares often, but I do, you know, sometimes have distressing imagery that I recall in my sleep. And one of of them. One of them is being in a dinner party like this with a heavy late 90s, early 90s aesthetic. Like, Mm. I think it's from watching too much monkey dust when I was a teenager or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's too hot as well, and everyone's wearing... They're all wearing suits! What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. We're at my house for a dinner party. We're fucking barefoot in pajamas, baby. Three courses, (laughs) let's go. There's like six couples, including, once again, Mark Darcy and Natasha. And everyone's just going, oh, Bridget, why are there so many unmarried women in their 30s these days? And she tries to make a little joke about how oh, it doesn't help that we've all, we're all covered in scales underneath our clothes. And everyone no-sells it. They no-sell yeah. the joke. Rude. Yeah, she's that done on Twitter and she's like, why women in their 30s are still single? A thread, one slash many. Then she would have been fucking boom, up the charts. Right, dinner parties are the place for polite laughter. Right, and for these jerks to completely no sell that joke is very rude. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna fake laugh, you're gonna do it a lot at a dinner party. All I'm saying is that if your dinner party is resorting to the need for laughter, then it ain't very good dinner, as far as I'm concerned. I like when I'm. <laughs> I, we, we, I, we shall take this party seriously. No, we shall this, sit in silence, eating a lovely dinner, and should we to focus on the dinner? I love cooking for people. I've yeah. cooked for you, and it's been some of the most pleasurable experiences of our friendship. I. Mm-hmm. I Door cooking for people. Before all this shit happened, my thing was I'd ask someone what their favorite thing was, and I'd try and make the, the best version of it for them when they come over. Yes. And I'm not saying I'm a bad conversationist, but I like to get to the point where the meal comes out and everyone is so engrossed in the meal that they forget to talk. That for me Yes. Fuck. I have this very precious memory of having a, a couple round with me and Joe, and we brought mm. out a roast chicken, and everyone, like, the bones were gone from the chicken, and someone was like, we haven't said anything in 20 minutes. And I was like, yes! That's how good that chicken was. Me, and indeed my family, like to be the person to say, well, the f- food must be good, because no one's bloody saying anything. That's the sort of British thing that I will do. I, I will point out the fact that no one's saying anything, because the food's so good. And I, and I make sure as well, every single place is a plain place so I can go afterwards. There was a pattern on that when... There's a pattern on that. <laughs> oh, to be at a dinner party now, though. Those were the dates. Mr. Darcy, right, when he's away from this dinner party, he's away from his posh girlfriend, he has a little opportunity to tell Bridget that he enjoyed her going bum first into a camera. Problem is, I physically can't be nice. Help. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trapped. I can't. I can't do it. I don't think you're an idiot at all. Although he says there are elements of the ridiculous about you, which again, like the all-rounder thing, is a that's a good posh British insult. I don't think you're an idiot. There are elements of the ridiculous about you. (laughs) Very good. But he says that he likes her very much. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, you you like you only like me if I didn't smoke or uh, talk or do it. He's like, no, I like you very much, just as you are. 
just as she is. I, I have this on good authority that here, despite appearances, this is very charming. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Just be a yeah. fucking standoffish prick, you know. <laughs> but Natasha comes down and sort of snaps at him to come back upstairs like he's a little dog. And uh, ugh, yuck, I don't like that. I think that's set up to be like, oh, that relationship is is bad. So we, we don't, we, we won't feel bad when that couple breaks up the bit where she's no, like because no, she was like reading Mark, legal documents on a boat back. so she doesn't deserve love duh <laughs> what if she had love she'd probably file an injunction against oh, us or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. your yeah. honor <laughs> now bridget after her bum fire pole bum debacle has been sent to do some proper reporting on a dramatic extradition case here and but turns out Who's the bloody human rights lawyer here? It's bloody cursed Mr. Darcy! It's, yes, and he's told his clients not to give any interviews, but he helps Bridget Jones out by going against that and giving her an exclusive scoop. And imagine when he went over to the people who are like, you know, involved in this, you know, traumatizing extradition case, and he's like, you never yeah. earlier said no interviews. I want to do an affair, so... Well, I, you- I, I fancy this lady, so... yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. In, I am in a relationship, but I would like to also go out with this lady, please. We're not saying Keir Starmer done that, all right? We're not saying that. No, but... no, 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 no. A Brid- Bridget Jones, her Bridget Jonesy shtick here, her kind of Channel Four. Uh, did you fancy this bloke uh, straight away? And what does what does Johnny think back in the back in the big breakfast house about that? Then it's good that he's not been extradited, where he'll be executed immediately. That's good in it because you'll get to shag more. Hey, hey. Well, he's Zach, what do you make of that? And her new boss is like Bridget Jones, already a legend. So she's it's gone over well. She's doing well in the world of television. Oh fuck me! I this bit now, this dinner sequence. Ooh, no the- wonder I'm all fucking gone dinner mad. More di- Bridget Jones's dinner. This should be called because there's constant dinnering here. So what's going into this? This is something which, like, when I read a book and yeah. then I get to a point in the book where someone is reveals themselves to be a complete fucking like I don't know if there's a word for like a philistine, but only for food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like I've read books which are considered to be like decent, you know, well received. Like this is a modern classic, or whatever. Read this, good writer, or whatever. And then it gets to the yeah. where they describe the food, and it's like you've just literally asked someone what's a fancy ingredient and it's like here is the lovely duck with raspberry and fucking rosemary because yeah that's what you- time traveler's wife i'm looking at you you're fucking salmon and oh, rosemary okay bollocks. like what the fuck oh, but you were mentioning that book with such fondness uh, but but a week ago or so i'm, I'm now- gonna travel back in time now and fucking start <laughs> putting an end to that shit like that woody flavor will overpower the oily fish what's she making here <laughs> Making a mess is what she's doing. Leeks and orange and tuna? What the fuck? Well, she's, you know, she's reading this posh recipe book and trying to do the right yuppie London meal. It's for her birthday as well. Is it? Yeah, she's like, oh, because it's my birthday, I'm going to cook a big slap-up meal for my friends. I'm like, no way. Your friends should cook for you on your birthday. She uses the wrong string. It makes her soup blue. She gets blender gunk all over her. And uh, who's turned up again? Just in time. It's only bloody Keir Starmer. What, what, but she's covered in blender bits. But he's here to help her make a little omelette. And he comes in and he's like, No, this is, it's very blue, this soup. And he's like, but it doesn't matter because there's not quite enough blue things to eat, is there? And I was going to ask you, Sam, can you think of many blue things that you would eat? Like naturally occurring blue things in this world of ours? Hmm, tango ice blast? No, that's not uh, a food. We've, we've been over this before. Well, it's a frozen nutrient. 
That's what <laughs> all this is. Blueberries. That's route one yeah, for blue stuff. They're kind of purple, stuff. though, aren't they? They're kind of purple. They can make stuff blue if you mix them with, you know, white stuff. It's almost like not occurring in the in the wild. Like, naturally, like, edible things aren't blue. And it's not as well, like, ooh, I don't want you to eat my delicious berry as a tree, so I'm going to make it blue. They don't do that either. Like, usually that's stuff like red or yellow or whatever. That's meant to be kind of, like, so it's just It just doesn't happen. It does a little bit. There are some. But not much. There are some oddly blue animals you could eat, but if you're going to mm. go eat a Sicilian, I don't want you listening to my podcast ah yeah not much blue food but there is blue soup here which oh, has been dyed from rubbish. the string no it's rubbish but they have fun going oh isn't this shit we've had a shit time oh aren't we shit no, no there's a good way to bond something yeah. that's mutually shit hmm Ah, oh, just as they're having a nice, relaxing time, and her friends have come round, and they're toasting Bridget for just as she is to try and reference. Oh, we know, we know what Mister Darcy's been saying. See, it's all, it's all nice. It's Hugh Grant's here, clutching a little bottle of wine. Oh, and and he goes, "Oh, I thought you'd be alone." Yes, because he's the type of person who thinks that she'd be alone. Oh, take an opportunity birthday. to prey on you. Yeah. Bastard. He didn't have the courtesy of a booty call. That's just a booty appearance. What the fuck is that like? <laughs> Check in on Foursquare or something at least. Let me know you're coming. Come on. He describes himself as a terrible disaster with a posh voice and a bad character or something like that. And he's trying to be like, you can save me, Bridget. You can save me from myself. I'm so bad. Ugh, I'm rubbish. And it, it nearly fucking works. She goes to nearly kiss him. Oh, don't like that. And I tell you ah. what, it didn't rub me the wrong way quite in the same way as the whole dinner party having to eat all that terrible shit the blue goop yeah also as well did you see the bowl of eggs that fucking that Kier had on him there how many fucking omelettes was he making enough for everyone to have seconds that's a lot of fucking eggs is all I'm saying Kier's got eggs (laughs) I'm currently obsessed with this Jamie Oliver video and one of my Mm. favourite things in the world to make is toad in a hole which is exactly what I would make if I had this group of people and where Jamie Oliver makes toad in the hole which is basically sausages cooked with pancake batter put over it which is the same as Yorkshire pudding batter and it gets all big and crispy and nice Mm. he puts 14 eggs in his i can't even visualize 14 eggs me neither i don't know what i just that's more than a baker's dozen he basically undid everything he did for the children with that as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah so yeah you're egg mad that jamie oliver loves an egg look we get what i think now i saw i'm this is kind of coming back to me in terms of absorbed via cultural osmosis the fight between these two lads now it's in Galen's. Galen, it's in Galen's. Absolutely soaking way. <laughs> so I thought the thing about this fight, right, was that they were shit at fighting and yeah. they're two posh boys not being good at fighting. It's a very accurate fight. I love it. And that is that is part of it. But also, Mark Darcy does properly fucking punch Hugh Grant in the face. He gets a few fucking hits in, this guy. Oh, he fucking smashes him up, like. Yeah, yeah. Going into a restaurant and that. There's lots of funny fight noises. There's some good... And they're trying to, like, kick each other and shin each other. I like that they fought into a restaurant and then there was a birthday. That was very funny. I like that. Yes, and apologising to the diners as they're fighting in the restaurant fucking hell that's brilliant singing happy birthday as that birthday happens I in the went, restaurant they were in an Indian restaurant so I went straight for the pickles and the radish yeah you know ah, nice. oh, God, that's you so, know? so sharp not no not like glass but like just the sharpness of the of the, <laughs> of the lime <laughs> and then they sort of have a little truce when they've 
smashed each other through a fucking window. But then Hugh Grant can't resist calling Darcy a wanker, and so gets a big old punch in the face for his troubles. And the big twist is that she doesn't like this. And I was like, you what? I just knocked his clock off. I thought that would be like very sexy, sexy, particularly sexy. in 2001. But uh, yeah. Bridget, she doesn't want a fighter. She wants a lover. And we get a really creepy bit from Ooh Grant where he's like, if I can't make it with you, I can't make it with anyone. I don't like that. Yeah, he's, he's on, the, on the floor, covered in glass, still trying to work his wicked ways. Wickedly wicked. <laughs> One and only Hugh Grant. But Bridget's like, you know what? No, thank you. I don't want to be with someone who's not quite sure. Who's yeah, a bit bibbly, bobbly, terribly sorry, couldn't possibly. That's not my scene. Can we enter that into the Hall of Fame of things blokes think is romantic? That is absolutely not. If you know, like, oh, please, if I can't make it with you, I can't make it with anyone. Add to that as well. I'm thinking I can start allowing myself to fall in love with you. And that's that's <laughs> that, that's a particularly bad one. And there's another one later where it's like, oh, I don't work without you. Like, please, don't. Yeah. None of those are good. Not as charming or romantic as you think it is. But hey, it's our Valentine's Day special, and it's Christmas time. Hey, Christmas time. 42 mince pies and wine, children singing Christian rams. 42 mince pies? Yeah, not enough in my book. How many fucking pie. mince pies would you put away then, as a matter of interest? Oh, she's not put away 42 mince pies. Oh, <laughs> that fucking liar. Don't believe a word that comes out of her mouth. <laughs> she can't put them away. No, 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 no. But I, I, could, I could put away a lot of mince pies. Could you put away a box in a sitting? Yeah. i'll tell you what i shouldn't but could this is the one time where the visuals of the podcast would really be something because sam gave that the small smirk and sideways glance of like a weightlifter being like yeah i can lift that like Like in the gym with the towel over his shoulder arms folded yeah yeah, no bother yeah 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 oh pat yeah yes please M&S, extra special. Yes, please. Um, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, she's come home to see her dad. Um, I think her mum, her mum's left the shopping channel man and her family's back together, which, all, as you're saying, kind of happens in the background. It just kind of falls into place that everything's all right with their relationship, a nice little B-plot that just kind of resolves itself. It's all, you know, What are those games that just happen even when you're not playing? What, idle games or something, where just the stuff just plays out even when you're not interacting oh, with it? Oh, I think they'd say like Telltale games, where like it doesn't matter what choices you make, it's going to be the same old <laughs> shit anyway, so don't, don't care, actively no. don't try to care. Some game where stuff keeps happening even if you're not paying attention to it. You know, like, so the stuff's happened here and they're now back to together so that's uh, nice i did though cute. before the the happy family reunion i had a quick mm. scan across the room for some of the spread there were mince pies there was hagen daz there was also some mini quiches i believe there was also many bottles of bubbled wine and it was quite similar to what i think most people's christmas was like this year you know yeah well there, there were mini quiches and because it was 2001 there probably would have been some mini discs there being put in the mini disc player to play christmas songs you know just to to date this in time did you ever have any mini discs have we t- i feel like we've talked about mini discs discs before <laughs> uh, my brother was a fucking he was a disciple in the temple of mini discs yeah and when he did student radio which is what inspired me to eventually do student radio and end up doing podcasts kind of led you to hear so yeah. blame him but he got into it in part because he had this fabulous mini disc collection you know, to make all of his mixes on mini disc right. and here's the thing i listened to him probably 20 times explain to me what it is you could do with them but the problem is in the context of the real world now and then the current world i yeah. can't actually reconcile in my head what a mini disc actually does 
and how it's not just like a tape that you can tape over, but you could do a different thing. That's different. It's different. It's different. He did have like a little deck where he could like put in a mini disc and record off of a thing. So it was like analog in that sense, so, right? So it's like a tape. No, 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 no. It's not like a tape. It's not like a tape. God, that's so yesterday. It's a mini. It's a mini disc. But you're recording stuff off stuff, right? Yeah, but it's on a on a disc. This is the point where I didn't realize Sam was having a hypothetical conversation with himself, and he was about to teach me that. You know. No, <laughs> don't worry. I don't have any mini disc knowledge. I really thought. I don't know why. I really thought you would have. If you were five years older, you would have definitely have mini. Oh, I've, I've interacted with mini discs. I think my dad had some mini discs for a bit, but we had like one. One of those like rewritable mini disc packs and we'd put a couple of albums on them from a cd onto a mini disc uh, or something like that and then we had them it just felt like busy work for the alternative kids in my school yeah, that's all it was, yeah, it was like, yeah. oh well, we have to get our fucking things onto mini disc and then write them down what's on the mini just listen to your cd guys but it's interesting that in a butterfly effect kind of way we've we've sort of got mini discs to to thank or blame for the kevin Mann podcasting career it's all kind of led that way maybe if they hadn't pioneered the mini disc we might never have got cinema swell and um, much like mini discs it's just going to keep getting bigger and better baby <laughs> and if we didn't have mini quiches i wouldn't still be in business so, oh, no, if we didn't have mini you know. quiches we wouldn't be doing this actual recording right now like so yeah but yeah our family's back together and it turns out that bloody hugh grant had been spinning the story about the shagging of the fiance it was actually him being a bad boy and having relations with Mark Darcy's wife. Not fiancé, wife. wife. I do like <sighs> the machinations that go into, like, if you've cheated on someone like that, where you swap it around, but then you also downgrade it from wife to, to fiancé. Fiance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, what, how he's kind of... There's some sort of, like, arithmetic, like an abacus involved here, but, like, yeah. naughtiness to, like, make it overly seem balanced. I don't know. It's devious enough spinning that it doesn't quite make sense to anyone but him. But, but yeah, he's spun the story. And so Bridget now knows that, and so she's getting to this party as quick as she quick as she can. She I, I do like that at the party she does what he does to her. And for my money, it seems to be the only way that couples are able to get together in films in England during this time, which is you have to take him outside and give him like a dressing down that then turns into a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I like you. You're a Burke and your, your Christmas jumper was shit, but I do, I do like you ever so. Yeah, you'd, uh, like yeah, you. he, yeah. And very British Colin Firth response. Oh, uh, uh, crikey. Crikey is a good response there. For, uh, emotionally repressed British blokes. Yeah, it's good stuff. He's also off to New York City and also is going to be getting married, so bit of a waste of an emotional dressing down there, Bridget. Sorry about that. A running theme of New York being the source of bad things. Right, We don't want New York... Boo York. I, I went to New York and I had, honestly, it was probably my second favourite holiday ever. So, there yeah. you go. All right, well. Here's the thing that got me. I didn't know if it was clever filmmaking or just they forgot a thing they did earlier. You were saying earlier how you liked how it's like, oh, the hypothetical thing that happens. And then it's like, blah, 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 and then you see oh, the yeah, actual yeah, yeah, thing yeah. where they're announcing that he's off to New York, his family, and they're also announcing who's he's engaged. She just goes, no, mm. no. And I thought it was going to go back. But no, she actually but said it. She actually did do that. And, and she, I, did, I love when she's trying to like explain herself. And she's like, well, I just think it would be very bad for us to lose one of the great legal brains of our time. And there's something about replacing mind with brain is really funny mm. to me. For instance, Master brain, <laughs> brain the gap. All these things are much funnier when you put in the word brain instead of of minds. 
Very good. Yeah, she frames it as like, and this would actually, no, I just think this would be bad for Britain. So She saw Brexit coming, mate. She saw it coming. Yeah. Don't you will. She's sad. She's back in her flat. She's crossed out the first bit of her diary and she's written Diary of Bridget Jones, Spinster and Lunatic. Did you catch what she was eating in this scene? No. What was she eating? Branston, straight from the jar. Oh, good stuff. Good oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you this right now. There is a very odd satisfaction that I have in my house if i finish a jar i'm not saying just branston pickle but yeah. like something like a branston pickle mm. that is low in cost but long in shelf life and even longer probably in life in your fridge yeah and I, I just it's the closest thing to getting real life experience points when that pickle jar goes into the recycling it's like you have closed a chapter or at least turned a page in your life quick question for you yeah any condiments sauce side preserve you can have it with a spoon mm. Straight up, what are you going for? Can I, can I have one? Mm. You said side in there? Well, I, I, something that comes in a jar, maybe. Or a bottle or something. I mean, I love a good hummus. I could I could eat a big mm. spoon of hummus. You know, okay. uh, easy peasy. Like, a lot of the things I would say are my favourite sauces, like, become nauseating once they become a spoonful. Garlic yeah. mayonnaise, one of the all-time classics. A oh. spoonful of garlic mayonnaise does mm. not help the medicine go down. No, no, I've no. tried. Makes it come back up all white. It's not good. Green <laughs> pesto. What's Green that? pesto. 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 Yeah. I, that's a bit intense for me. Yeah, no, I want that intensity. Give me that. That's a bit of a green head rush then. I think that's a bit too much. I think I could probably go with a Branston pickle as well. You know, yeah. that's a, a mild, because cr- it's got texture. Oh, I've got the ultimate one. Okay. It's got texture. It's got pickle. It's got lots of different things in it as well. So each part of the bite is different. I'm talking about Heinz sandwich spread. I don't think I've had Heinz sandwich spread. I'm pretty sure it's a product that's only made for my dad because it's the only person <laughs> other than me <laughs> who I've ever, ever seen, seen eat it. Oh, maybe I'll give it a go. It's kind of like a less exciting piccalilli. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Also, piccalilli. Pretty much any British fucking, any British Pick- old timey pickle, which again, yeah. Like a lot of other great fucking flavours over here, never made it across the pond to Ireland because we'd be like succeeding power to you if we ate your spreads and pickles. But enough about pickle for now. That was a fun diversion. Because Darcy's in a pickle himself now, isn't he? Well, yes. Bridget's friends all come in to say, oh, we've got a... Oh, Bridget, we've got ever such a fantastic surprise for you. We're going to Paris with you for the weekend. Yay, because you're sad about Mark Darcy. But Mark Darcy's turned up. He's shown his little face. He's come back. I think he came back from America. It's not just he didn't go to America. He came back from America. This is very obviously a movie that was made in early 2001 for many reasons because it's just, Oh yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah there's this like this kind of casualness about airport travel. <laughs> okay, let's go to Paris. <laughs> yeah, they're like the four of us are going to Paris and she's like no, I'm not going to Paris anymore. They're like, well, there's only room for three of us. Like, what do you mean? Like we're just going to walk on the plane? What do you think? Come on. Yeah. There was definitely a, a moment where this film wouldn't work in the same way. Oh, God. Yeah, he's saying he's forgotten to kiss Bridget goodbye. So they do a little kiss, and he's staying in the UK, and so is Bridget. She's not going to Paris. And they go up to her flat. Well, her friends are like, yeah, fuck it, we'll go to Paris anyway. They go up to the flat, and she nips into the loo to put on small knickers because she, she she's learnt that she, you know you don't want to be wearing the big pants because that's embarrassing I love as well when he mm. comes back and he's like it's the obvious end where it's like he should come back and then just kiss her or whatever but there's this yeah. awkwardness where she's like are you really going away now are you coming are you just I just want to be sure and that is so fucking relatable <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, can I'm, can I'm we just for, confirm now? I'm all up for the kiss, but can we just think a few of these items here? Can we just initial these and then we'll... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes life does have those kind of movie moments, but you do also need to check and make sure that everything is as Life as is many footnotes and I like to refer to them. Yes, so that's nice that this has that. But as she's in the loo getting changed, he finds the titular Bridget Jones's diary and sees all the rude stuff she said about him. Oh God, late in the film, twist. Uh, nothing is as rude as reading someone else's diary, you fucking freak. Yeah. I, actually, yeah, I kick off about that. She should be running away from him. He's reading your diary. He literally comes around, one kiss. Where's your diary? Like, this guy. I don't know. <laughs> he seems to have stormed off. She realises what's gone on. She runs outside in her pants. Wait, is this a mad dash? It's a mad dash in a cardigan and pants. It's snowing. Run, Bridget, run. But turns out Mark Darcy had just gone to buy her a new diary because, it, you know, we'll start again. and It's a fresh, lovely fresh start. What a shit excuse. No, I wasn't running away. I was off to buy you a, a diary. Try that excuse in 2021. <laughs> but we'll get a, a lovely kiss in the snow. Oh, yeah. This. This is this. This I yeah. I I've had this confirmed from several independent parties that this is very sexy indeed. What he does here, this specifically, and everyone's down with their notepads. So just to repeat it clearly now for everyone to know. In three, yeah. two, and one, information starting when she says, "Nice boys don't kiss like that," and then he goes, "Oh yes, they fucking do," and he kisses her again. That yeah. is. You heard it here first. We can confirm. Confirmed to be very sexy indeed. Yes. I think it's something about the quite repressed, bunched up Englishman saying, yes, they fucking do. In that kind of, you know, that sexy, it doesn't come across well from me, but from, uh, from <laughs> no, Colin No, very Burke. sexy sound. No, oh, come on, oh, come uh, on now. No. But yeah, no, I wrote down bloody hell when that... Uh-huh. Oh, bloody, oh, bloody hell. There you go. Oh. Another confirmed, another confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> bloody hell. It's truth. And then we get some little credit stuff at the end of It was an odd place to end. I, I don't know. Mm. I could have done with a quip. I could have ended on a quip. No, I I I liked the sexy ending. You're right though, Sam, because often like, you know, in stand-up you end on your sexiest joke. <laughs> like you end on the most sexy thing that you're gonna do on that stage. Well I always did anyway. But there's a little little credits thing of like Hugh Grant's character continuing to be a dickhead, some other characters being silly. And then there's a and then there's just like a bad poor taste bad joke at the end oh i didn't then, see that what's that oh i've watched this movie a couple of times now is it oh uh, you know what don't worry about it don't worry about it there's just a joke that is one of those how can i say this transphobic jokes from oh, the wow, uh nice to squeeze one in <laughs> yeah there's one at the end just right at the end and it's like ah, oh, mm, uh, no no thank you but okay end of the film we're, we're done it now it is nothing that is unique to bridget jones's diary because you know another thing i would think we would do sometimes is we do like a richard curtis swirl or something like that and holy shit, I watched Four Weddings not that long ago again. I was like, Jesus. I saw it in like 2010. And I thought, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's about, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> oh, the amount of problematic bullshit from films of that era. But kind of especially British films sometimes. You get a lot of it. Not to excuse it, but also to say like, it is a weird product it, it, of its, it's time. It's a perfectly it's normal island. <laughs> 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 and there we go. Bridget Jones's diary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah. seem delighted with it, Sam. I'm not. I'm not delighted with it. I'm not disappointed with it. I had a good time. There were laughs. There were romances. There were, there were, there were romances. There were sexy bits. Were you cheering on 
Bridget when she was like running to her mad dashes or anything like was it yeah it did have that connection because that for me yeah. is if there is a Bridget Jones feeling it's that it's you going yes go after that less terrible man here's, yeah here's what I'll say I, I was invested in the main character she's really good Renee Zellweger in this she's very yeah, very good very good especially considering she's not she's not British you what you know this right she Australian American American how about American. that and doing a pretty damn serviceable British accent there Good job, Renee. Yeah, it's a great lead character, great performance, funny, engaging. There's some dodgy stuff going on, but, you know. You laughed. You were invested in the characters. Yeah. Is it a case that the big issue with this was just, oh, it's a bit old and creaky and it's coming out with some of its, like, you know, some of it nasty jokes when they're in a very fluffy movie, they stink up even worse, I think, you know? They stick out. I don't, I'm reticent to kind of go, oh, the bad jokes, because... Again, not excusing things, but like... But it's not lock stock we're watching. It's meant to be a light, fluffy, romantic uh, yeah, comedy, no, which if you watch it in 2021, is almost always guaranteed to be a safe pair of hands in that respect. Because yeah. they're not going to try and be edgy, yet here they are being kind of edgy by 2021 standards. It's one of these ones where it was fluffy, and it was fun, and it was silly, and there were some good gags, there were some questionable gags, there were laughs, there were tears. Not, I, I didn't cry because uh, uh, just a uh, blue bloke, mate. It's not that sad, though, I don't think. It's not, no, it's not super sad. It's... It, romantic there's some mushy bits but not like blown away by it i can kind of see looking at it how it would have made an impact and Mm -hmm. how important it would have been and i can understand why it was a a cultural phenomenon and a big success it became a cash cow like and i would say this movie is head and shoulders better than the other ones that came out afterwards for sure i don't think we'll be returning to bridget jones on this timeline for sure anyway because i think you know it even though they're kind of big box office and all that, I kind of feel yeah. like there's less to say after having done this one, you know. But yeah. would you ever chuck on a Bridget Jones or whatever? Like, would you, if you saw, you know, there's another one on, you had a, a Sunday afternoon or whatever, perfect time for this type of a movie. Here's the thing, it would have to be on. Ah. That's the thing. It'd have to already be on and I'd just pop, you know. It, I'm not, like, against it. And I think maybe some of, maybe a younger me or even some of our listeners or just a lot of people would be kind of against this kind of film. Mm. But because I'm not against it doesn't mean that it's my sort of thing. Yeah. And I think there is still that thing where I'm watching this, I'm thinking, it's not it's not really for me and that's okay. It was all right. I had a good time. I had a good enough time. It was. I en- enjoyed it. But, you know, it just wasn't, and I don't even know if it is, you know, for me. Not to say this for anyone, but, uh, uh, you know, all right. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, all right. How yeah. does that translate into a star wipe rating then, Sam? All right, Bridget Jones's Diary. You know what? Bridget Jones's Diary, I'm giving that three solid star wipes. You heard it here first. Oh, thanks for listening to another episode of Cinema Swirl. This episode was produced by Kevin, edited by me, Sam, and I also did the music. If you want to support the show, then patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl is the way to go. If you want to follow us on the socials, we're at Cinema Swirl on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Cinema Swirl on Facebook, which is where our votes for episodes take place. If you've got questions, queries, comments, or anything else for the mailbag, then send it on over to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Please do keep recommending the show to your friends if you think they'll like it, or even if you don't think they'll like it, just recommend it anyway. All right, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.